Good evening, everyone. If you can take your seats, please. Uh, if you could also silence your cell phones, we'd appreciate that. Uh, tonight is Tuesday, February 20th. It's approximately 7 p.m. Uh, the city commission uh, st stands adjourned. Not adjourned, sorry. <laughs> we are here. Um, Madam Clerk, if you could please call the roll. Yes, Mayor Fernandez. Present. Vice Mayor Bonis. Here. Commissioner Lehman. Present. Commissioner Corey. Present. Commissioner Kaye. Here. You have a quorum. If we could please stand for a brief moment of silence. Commissioner Liebman, would you lead us in the pledge? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, Commissioner. So, uh, colleagues, I uh, just want to quickly set the order of the day, uh, maybe depart from the agenda, if I can read you. I'd like to take the items in sequence, and if there's no objection, we'll proceed in that fashion. Uh, I'd like to move to adopt the minutes of February 26th, or to be deferred, so. Hold on, Mayor. So, yes, sir. Those are to be deferred? Yes. Thank you. Okay. Yes, I guess we don't have, they were not in the package, so. Yes. Okay, perfect. So I'd like to move to defer both the minutes and S second reading item seven, uh, as there were not some modifications I had asked for in the draft. Then I'd like to take up public remarks and then move to uh, the presentation uh, on the garage murals, followed by the city manager and city attorney's report, take up the CA items, move on to RE6 on the traffic circles, take up the first reading of the pension plan ordinance, construction standards, and then RE5 and RE4, surplusing uh, three lots, I believe, or a few lots, and then the designation of the park in honor of the former mayor, and then closing out with the parking presentation by Mr. Riverall, and a discussion of possible uh, capital financing of projects. Does that seem reasonable to the board? Seems like you did. Okay, so then without objection, we will proceed in that fashion. I'll have my cliff notes to uh, Madam Vice Mayor here. So Madam Clerk, are there any uh, add-on items on tonight's agenda? Not tonight, no. Okay, great. Can I get a motion to uh, defer uh, the adoption of the minutes and uh, item number seven? I move the deferral on item number seven. Is there a second? Okay, second. So we have a motion by Commissioner Corey to defer item seven and the adoption of the minutes, and a second by Commissioner Liebman. Uh, Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll, please. Yes, Mayor Fernandez. Yes. Vice Mayor Bodnis. Yes. Commissioner Liebman. Yes. Commissioner Corey. Yes. Commissioner Kaye. Yes. Both items are deferred. Thank you. Um, if we can open up the floor for public remarks, please. And so we'll recognize first Donna Shelley, please. If you can come forward. Donna. Good evening. <laughs> Hi, good evening. Um, thank you for letting a non-resident speak. Um, I just hear, I'm here to support the park for Anna Price. I don't know what the appropriate time to speak about it is, but. Right now it's fine, okay. thank you. Yeah, so I, I'm speaking about it now. I'm definitely in support of the idea. I believe that uh, Reverend Dr. Um, Price has done so much for the city of South Miami, including the history uh, of South Miami and the, the black neighborhood very important to who people are uh, across the nation, but especially places here where we have things like walls that used to divide us. So I fully, I hope you will fully support the idea 
of having Dr. Price's name on the park. Thank you. Thank you for your testimony. Uh, Mr. Ward, you're next. I likewise, I think you're making a wonderful choice here in naming the area for former Mayor Price. Is there was ever anyone in the city that deserved to have an honor like that, it's her. She served this city well. I enjoyed working with her over the years. Unfortunately, we were on the opposite sides a lot. <laughs> Tonight, I, I see there's a resolution on the agenda about South Miami Park. And I feel that all of the improvements that you're putting into South Miami Park are well overdue. But there's one, and it's not on the agenda tonight, but I thought I'd talk about it anyway. There's one about artificial turf. Now, when I was chair of the Recreation Committee for many years, twice our committee voted down artificial turf. And you can be sure, regardless of what other people tell you, injuries are much higher on artificial turf, turf than they are on regular turf and when regular turf gets damaged it's not hard to replace but when artificial turf gets damaged it is not easy to uh, fix and the other thing that really <laughs> I get a kick out of reading is it's going to save so much money by having artificial turf it won't be necessary to do this and that well Mr. Manager I hope you'll require the city recreation director to make sure that his budget is reduced by all that he's claiming it's gonna serve. Now, this is no direct <laughs> pun at Clinton. He does a great job, but boy, he's way off base on this one, and I really believe it'd be nice that the city budget is deducted somewhere by all of this money they're supposed to save. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, sir. Uh, next up, Mr. Jose Suarez, please come forward. Hi, um, I just want to talk about the, uh, there's going to be some traffic calming introduced or, or changes in the area. Um, I wish that the city would reach out to the residents. I personally walked through, when I saw it, um, I saw it at the last minute, and it affects, one of them affects our neighborhood. The, uh, the city recently put up four-way stop at 58th and 82nd. And some people at least slow down for the stop sign, some actually stop. Back in the days, I mean, we're talking years ago, on 84th and 58th and 84th and 59th, there used to be a four-way stop. The city put the runabouts in there, and now cars are going through there, through the runabouts, at 30, 40 miles an hour. I can, in an SUV, I just tried it. I could do almost 40 miles an hour in a large SUV. So circles do not slow down. We have a lot of schools, so you have people coming in from 80th and coming through our neighborhoods in the morning and coming from the schools and cutting through. And you have people that live on the south part that are not nearly affected as the people that are north of 80th and more so between 80th and 84th. So I understand expanding the conversation to more than just the four people who live on a corner, but really take a survey of the people that live in the neighborhood and say, what do you guys want? And I, I, just because I saw it the last minute, I went to talk to our neighbors. 
every single one that's been living in our neighborhood, I didn't find a single one that wanted to remove the stop sign for a traffic circle at 58th and 82nd. Every single one said, without a doubt, a stop sign works better than a roundabout. You know, so uh, uh, please keep that uh, in mind. Uh, I wasn't planning to talk about this, but um, I normally would agree with Dick Ward on the turf. I'm a, an ex-soccer player. Turf, uh, um, natural turf is significantly better than artificial turf. However, I have been to the park with um, uh, the head of parks. That field is used so much. There's just no way you're going to keep regular turf anywhere in good shape there. Um, I do uh, recommend that you don't use a turf that gets hot in the sun because um, there's very few. Most of them, you have to water during the daytime. So. Thank you, Jose. Just, uh, just to let you know that the item on the traffic circles is a public hearing item, so we'll have a presentation from staff. If you want to stick around and you offer some more comments in response to that presentation, happy to hear uh, as I well. I would love to do that. Okay. And, and I think that traffic, the traffic homes that we usually that we just put in, they're working. Yep. May need to add them on 84th because I can tell you, I walk a lot of neighborhood and trying to walk across 84th to speeders, you may want to think there's some traffic pumps on 84th. Thank you. Appreciate your comments. Uh, Marisa Bel Cadenas, uh, Cadenas, sorry. Please come forward. Good evening. Good evening. My name is Marisa Bel Cadenas and I live at 5890 Southwest 82 Street. I also happen to be married to that one that just spoke. <laughs> and, um, but I'm speaking on a different issue, this one. Yeah. This issue has um, unfortunately garnered more opposition than was necessary. And it was, I think, created by the fact that it hit a lot of people by surprise. I think what would be best even though I understand you've been canvassing the neighborhoods and trying to talk to people about what this entails. I myself don't want to say I was offended by this, but I felt that I was not being considered as a rational human being that could make my own decisions once I know what we're talking about. This did not tell me what we're going to be voting on and why we're doing it. So in my humble, humble opinion, I think that there has to be better methods than sending these out first and then speaking about what it entails. Fair comment. Thank you. If you want to just say it into the, into the. I don't know what the filtering was. Yeah, I, I can I can address that if you like. It was it was sent to everyone who was registered to vote by mail, so that's how we. But Jose didn't get it. Okay, I that I don't I don't know. That's that was the catchment that was used. So I don't know if he was. A lot of folks have fallen off the VBM rules. There's only fifteen percent of. Oh, because we had to re-register. Correct. So if you didn't re-register, you may not have gotten it for that reason. If you, it may have gone to one per household as well, but 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 I know that the target universe was voters by mail. So yeah. But thank you for your comments. Okay, next up we have James McCants. Good evening, everybody. Good evening, sir. Uh, James McCants, 6210 Southwest, 63rd Terrace. 
Um, I'm here to do, um, ask your support and approval of uh, resolution number four. And uh, one of my reasons is um, that she's, she's the only African-American uh, that was mayor and being the fact that she's a woman and her life and what she has done um, is there on paper, but much more. She was a mentor to so many people for so many different reasons. Um, um, a member and mentor uh, to uh, folks that are famous right now um, uh, uh, have been on the NFL uh, platform and and field plan. But what she does, she um, she's a symbol of strength and courage and wisdom here in this community. And as we encourage me, especially uh, uh, involvement of our community to focus on the history of this area, uh, this plays a very important part. So um, I urge your approval. And everybody have a great night. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Harris, Commissioner Harris, please come forward. Good evening, sir. I just want to say it's uh, nice to be on this end. I haven't been active, but I, I first of all, I want to find out, you had a meeting I happened to see at the very end regarding uh, zoning changes. Have you made any zoning changes with the potential of selling City Hall? Sorry, what was, uh, there, I believe there was a, I believe the map, uh, Mr. C. Manager, correct me if I'm wrong, does have a um, proposal to change it to, was it Todd? Colleague? Suggesting about selling it. Not selling City Hall, but the designation for City Hall, I think was the question. Well, um, the sale, I, I see, um, you know, this, I got yeah, the same so, flyer as everyone else. Yeah, so let me let me address the flyer so that, so that we can get uh, some clarity. So I've been trying to do it online as much as possible and, and knocking on doors the weekend before last. Um, the, the, the charter change that, that's being requested is uh, being made with the, with the intent of giving us the option of entertaining something other than just a sale. Uh, Commissioner Harris, as you probably recall, the prior proposals that you all considered, I think ended up in the basket of a possible sale because there was no option to do a, a lease of longer than 50 years, because that's limited uh, under our charter. And so what the, the ballot language would authorize is for this property specifically, uh, us, to allow, uh, us to be allowed to consider a lease of longer than 50 years so we can get better economic terms uh, if we decided to do a project on this property. But that's the extent of the uh, change. Well, I've been getting a lot of phone calls from residents thinking because I was once a commissioner and vice mayor, I would know these things. Yeah. But I can only project what I have seen. So let me ask you, um, is there a chance you're going to allow zoning to go up to 10 stories? I, I think the zoning across the street is already at that height, so I think it's probably, as I indicated on a response on next door recently, I think it's fair to assume that we're going to do something that's consistent with the surrounding zoning. So, 20 stories then, or 30 stories? No, I think right? that would be, that would be, in my opinion, I don't want to speak for the rest of the board, but for me that would be far beyond what I would want to authorize. Okay, well, I'm just trying to get a handle on what is about to pop up here knowing full well that once something pops up here, it's going to pop up next So yeah, and it will, and it, and it was, and, and as you know, Commissioner, this is a, a series of things that have to happen 
We've started a solicitation process, which is currently the subject of an advertisement uh, to, to, to invite possible development partners on a request for qualifications basis, not proposal focused. Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what happens with the ballot question, we can then entertain proposals for uh, you know a long-term lease or sale, depending on whatever option people want to. But that will be a public process, subject to public hearings. So that would be a public vote on, a public um, having input. Correct, yeah. So happening. we're going to have a public solicitation okay. process, so that's not even started. Most excellent. And secondly, or thirdly and fourthly, I certainly want to support Anna Price Parks, which I think will be absolutely wonderful and certainly well-deserved. So that is very good. My pleasure. Great. Thank you for your comments, sir. We appreciate them. Got to go. I got a phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next up I have uh, Donna Burney. Please come forward. Good evening. I'm also here to support the resolution P4 and the naming of the park for lifeguard, Dr. Anna Price. Uh, even though I don't live in your area, but I'm familiar with all of her community service work, and I feel that what she's done and what I know of her, she deserves uh, this recognition. So thank you for your time. Thank you for your words. Uh, next up, Mr. Jerry Proctor, please. Good evening, uh, Mr. Mayor, Commissioners. Jerry Proctor, 8235 Southwest 60th Court. Um, with the help of many of you and the administration and staff, uh, Madison Square became a reality. Um, I was pleased to have a role in Madison Square, and I'm here to tell you that the first person I went to see was Dr. Price. And without her encouragement, just like she encourages and counsels James McCants and many others, uh, she encouraged and counseled me and my client and our team. And uh, I can't tell you um, how supportive she was. Some of you may remember. Uh, I'm here to support your item in her honor this evening. Uh, she's been a great friend to me and a great ambassador for the city. Thank you. Thank you, sir, for your comments. Uh, Ms. Antoinette Fisher, you're recognized. Thank you very much, Mayor. And thank you for inviting me to come to this meeting. Appreciate it. Um, I have more, I think a lot of people in this city have more questions than they do have answers right now about the referendum question. And I really think that we need a town hall, if at all possible, uh, so that all of you can address questions and people can ask questions freely and there can be some back and forth conversation more than we can have in this kind of time frame. Ms. Fisher, just to that point, just uh, for the benefit of anyone watching, I've been approached by uh, former Mayor Stoddard with the same idea and Marisha Hill. And I had, you know, tentatively for myself offered to meet with in a town hall setting on March 4th. So as to give people an opportunity to speak about the referendum question a couple weeks in advance of the actual day of voting. I'll, if, if my colleagues are amenable, I'll just reach out to the clerk and make that a sunshine meeting so we can all participate if we're free. And if there's nothing scheduled that evening, we can do it here at City Hall. Do you think that makes sense? You'll be, okay. 
That would be wonderful. And I noticed the clock was still ticking while you were. No, we'll give you some time back. It's fine. <laughs> okay, I, I won't take too much. Um, uh, really, what I, I wanted to say about the uh, one thing about the mailers that I noticed is that there is a PC that is supporting the mailer. And from what I know, a PAC, uh, P Political Action Committee, has to have um, like registration within the city and the county. And I was told that a PC does not. So I was wondering why the PC was used. I have a couple of friends who checked to see if uh, the PC was registered with the city because we know from previous um, situations in the city that it was supposed to, it is supposed to be if it is a PC. I mean, a P, excuse me, a PAC is supposed to be registered in the city. So also, uh, there are people who are talking to me and would like to know who is contributing money to this PC. Uh, I think I have some friends who are investigating that, so maybe we'll know something sometime soon. The public I'm talking about. Uh, I would like to know, and I think also there should have been some disclosure on those mail-outs that we're, there's going to be a trade-off. Uh, we're not going to get all the benefits that are listed there without giving up uh, our, ver our standalone, unique, iconic City Hall property. Now, I'm not saying that I'm against doing a new facility here. Personally, I would love that because I'm not a fan of... Um, mid-century modern architecture, to tell you the truth. Even though I live in one of those homes, I don't really, it's not <laughs> my favorite, let me put it that way. Um, but there are ways to create funding for that that would not be a burden on the taxpayers. If you, I've looked quite some time ago with the city of, South, of Homestead, how they did an in incredible, iconic city hall. And um, I called the office and I spoke to someone there and they had several different ways of getting funding and they were very successful and it wasn't a burden to, on the taxpayers so they're very open to giving information and you could if you wanted to contact homestead and get some information about that i i would be, and also one other thing to consider and then I, i'll have my i would have my say um uh well i'm sorry i'm just going to i'm going to save that maybe for the town hall but we definitely need more conversation on this. So thank you very much. If we have the town hall right here, that'll be fabulous. Thank no you very much. And Ms. Fisher, just for your benefit and the benefit of the public, the political committee is uh, a political committee I'm the chairman of. So there no, should be no mystery about it. It's the same political committee that I used during my campaign. Uh, it's registered with the state. It should be registered with the clerk. It was registered when we opened it uh, in 2022. I'm having a hard time remembering. And so, um, and if you have any questions about contributions, you can find all that information available online through the State's Division of Elections. I'm happy to send you the link. Uh, it's not a mystery, but, okay. okay. Okay, that's great. Can I say one more little thing? Of course you can. Okay, I know that this commission already approved of 32-story zoning, 32 stories in height for the Sunset Place renovation. And my own thought on that is that if this commission, the majority or the supermajority of this commission uh, voted uh, to do that, to approve of that, then I don't see why, what's gonna stop this commission for putting 
any number, it could be 50 stories, it could be 100 stories on this property. Maybe not you, Mayor, because I remember you said you want to keep the city at human scale when you were running for office. Um, and I think you're a man of your word, and I think that um, you know, you're very upfront with us about various things. But I do know that the rest of this commission will definitely go for however many stories that the I, new- Ms. Fisher, I'll just say the following. I think the best evidence of what the intent is, we just had a two and a half hour workshop on zoning. Um, what was being discussed there in terms of the designation for this site and for most of the town center was base zoning of eight stories with the ability to bonus up to six stories, so maybe 14. So I don't think we're gonna be anywhere near the 40, 50 story, or even the 32 stories that the majority of this commission, you know, supported in that in that one project, it's 10 acres. So I think, you know, just again, I don't, I think the record speaks for itself. I'd encourage you, if you didn't have a chance, I don't know if the video is recorded and available online. Madam Clerk, you may wanna just make, if we can post that so people can see what we were discussing about. And it's not intended to be a mystery, but I think very clearly the documents show eight stories of zoning with the ability to bonus to a maximum of six more. If you if you decide to do, provide certain public benefits, so I think that's realistically, as I shared on the next door post, that was a subject of discussion around this project, where we're going to land the plane on on height for this project. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry I couldn't make it to. No, that it's one. fine. It's a, it's it was a, okay. it's been a long day for us. I know it's a, a lot to ask people to watch all of that, but we'll make sure that the clerk puts a link to that workshop online. So if you want to watch portions of it or all of it, and we do have documents available. Maybe we should have the studies if we can also work with our consultant to post those uh, so that you can actually see the material that we're using to make some of these decisions, okay? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Okay, any further, anyone else that's registered for public comment here in the chamber? Or anyone else who'd like to speak on an item? Madam, please come forward. Um, Leone, good to see you. Hmm? Okay. Uh -huh. No, ma'am, please come up. You can sign up, you can sign the form later. Good afternoon, good evening. Good My evening. My name is Leonie Hermanson. I'm a South Miami resident, and I'm here to support um, the item that um, names, uh, <coughs> celebrates our wonderful uh, former mayor and named a park after her. So I, I, it would be an honor for me, my family, my children to have a park named after this incredible woman who still continues to blaze incredible trails, not just in South Miami, but in our community. Thank you. Thank you, and good to see you again. Okay, uh, Madam Clerk, is there anyone online who'd like to offer any uh, comments and public remarks? No, but I have two um, emails. Do you have one from uh, the former mayor? Yes, if you'd like to read in the record, please, thank you. Okay, this is from John Edward Smith. This year, I observed 50 years living in the city of South Miami. It is, it is, it has been my privilege and honor over some 30 years of community engagement to have come to know, respect, work, and love the Reverend Dr. Enterprise. He is a gentle, guiding light and natural soul. As the first female black mayor, naming a park in her honor is fitting testimony to her nurturing spirit, as that is what parks brings to people. Thank you to the mayor for advancing this resolution. And then I have one from former mayor, um, Sally Phillips. I'm sorry to be writing this late in the day. Would you please read during the public remarks? I want, I want you, the commissioners, and all the South Miami residents to know that I fully and wholeheartedly support renaming the park in honor of Reverend Dr. Anna Price. I have valued her advice during my time serving in the city. 
I have appreciated her past and continuing efforts on behalf of the city residents, and I, and I have benefited from her friendship. Thank you, Mayor, for proposing this resolution. I urge the commissioners to vote to pass it. Thank you, too, for giving voice to my admiration for Mayor Price. Thank you for that. Um, seeing no one else online, we will close public remarks. And with that, I believe we have a presentation by uh, Mr. Alexander Mijares. Thank you for being here this evening. Commissioner Lieberman, would you like to introduce the uh, presentation? Uh, certainly. So, um, yes, I'd like to introduce every, everyone to your one of your newest neighbors, Alex uh, Mijares. Um, he's absolutely a trendsetter because shortly after he moved into the city, although ironically he built this house, so his two brothers beat him to it, but his, uh, his brothers purchased homes um, in the city. His great uncle shares the same uh, namesake, Mijares, probably one of the most famous uh, Cuban artists. Immediately after moving into the city, and thank you by way of the city manager, made, made the introduction. Um, Alex said he wanted to become a com community partner and get involved in the city, to potentially donate some sculptures to traffic circles, existing traffic circles, Mr. Suarez and um, as well as help uh, activate the city and specifically a public building such as a parking garage with a, um, with a mural. So I, I, I understand you just moved into your house in the last 30 days. Yep, yep. So welcome and we're gonna turn it over uh, to you. And uh, yeah, th thanks. thanks so much Thank for offering George. to get involved. Um, so yeah, I'm on 58th Avenue and 82nd, known as the, by all the neighbors as the Vanthope Bunker. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I wanted to, I guess, bring it to the attention to see about doing a mural on that garage um, right there in Sunset Place. Uh, there it is. <coughs> um, when I lived in the Wynwood area for 13 years, it was amazing to beautify that type of city. And then I did a bunch of murals in Coral Gables and they loved it. And now that I'm a resident in walking distance from this garage, um, kind of wanted to see if I could do something like this on this uh, parking structure. And then along with this, um, I would like to, I guess, oh yeah, I have to do this here, um, <laughs> donate to the city, uh, possibly two sculptures. Um, I was thinking of doing one at the roundabout on, I believe it's 85th Street, 84th Street, the double, the double 84th Street, um, that roundabout that was there. And my idea because I was in favor of the roundabout on my corner, because I live there. Um, my son, who's two years old, runs out all the time, no matter what gates he can figure out how to get out. Um, and sitting out there and landscaping, there's a lot of cars that drive by. So my idea was if they did put that roundabout there was to put a sculpture there as well. And the idea I had was because both circles were on the same plane, uh, donating two sculptures to the city that would be lit up and kind of almost like looking at each other. So it's almost like an interactive piece between the two sculptures. Um, so yeah. Great. Uh, Commissioner Liebman, any further comments? Sure, just to provide a, a, um, a little more, more context in terms of the sculptures, and that's all subjective. Um, the artist Alex and our neighbors, uh, idea was to have the sculpture to be current or previous South, Mi previous South Miami, current South Miami, or current and previous. Um, essentially use the same pieces and have one sort of one little larger than the other, the same pieces, but, but erect them on top of each other in the second sculpture. And then in terms of um, Alex offering to help us with the garage, we purchased the city asset 
but it's been struggling. It's not getting much attention. People don't know it's there, so we're trying to help activate the uh, the garage. And then, Mayor, I, I know to your point, you you wanted um, the garages to to sort of speak to each other, meaning our city garage and the Sunset Place garage. The only issue with waiting is we're looking at at least five years, but um, the uh, the proprietor of that project happens uh, to know Mr. Miharlis and his art, and he committed to using him and mirroring whatever we do in our garage in uh, in the Sunset Place garage. But he didn't want us to hold up the project for for five years. No, understood. But, um, but yeah, Sorry. yeah. But no, Alex Vidia did commit to using uh, Mr. Miharlis as well and using the same the same pattern. So I, I I I like the idea because we've you know one of the difficulties with our existing garage is that people often don't know where the entrance is. Uh -huh. And so creating something with an artistic device that kind of you know leads people to, to explore the garage or discover it for reasons other than parking initially can help hopefully draw more utilization, which is I think our, our goal here. Um, I do have, I did have, sorry, you wanted to follow I up? I do, and I don't want, yeah. sorry, let's Please, get one of the most important parts. Yeah. Is um, Mr. Mihardis did offer to do it at, at cost. He said the greatest expense would be the lift. Of course there's paint and then um, labor. And one thing that was missing from the renderings is the the triangular canvas, which is essentially the walls of the ramp, would also be painted to help draw people into the garage. Okay. Same pattern. Okay. What I thought, what sorry. I thought could, could maybe actually be a cool idea um, to kind of do something like that is if this was something that was approved, um, we can actually turn it into almost kind of a block party, if you will, um, where I can start on the artwork, let's say during the week and right when I'm almost done towards the tail end, we could do some kind of maybe foundation or charity or some type of event where we can gather people there, they can enjoy and maybe even bring some of the neighborhood like kids to come help finish off maybe the bottom half uh, which I've done in numerous orphanages and whatnot where they put their handprints and they kind of leave their mark um, and then kind of I guess when they finish that other project we can kind of mirror it on the same thing maybe use the same color the same design or kind of the same concept great no, I think those are all great ideas um, and, and sorry last good yeah. idea which isn't mine it's the city managers is although this was our focus and it's exciting to draw people into the garage the garage doesn't have exposure unless you're on that street so we had suggested painting the pillars where the ivy is as well, potentially. So, so I, I just have one just technical question, um, and I don't want to be the lawyer uh, flying the ointment, right? But that's how it, that's how I'm wired, unfortunately. So just to, to the city attorney, uh, I know we suffered through a discussion on the condominium documents. Unfortunately, this is a condominium where we have uh, a co-owner of a portion of the building. And so I just wanted to ask the question, and we may not need the answer now, but I don't want to spin your wheels yeah. needlessly, which is, could, could, I mean, I, I want to do some sort of an improvement. We can talk about, you know, what the aesthetic is and maybe work with the Town Center Advisory Committee and others to kind of get some feedback on a couple different op options, because I think, you know, um, that's probably just a good way to vet the idea. But can we go ahead and make these kind of improvements at, at our sole discretion, or does it require... Uh, the consent of our of our um, co-owner. So we definitely want to look at it, Mayor. Um, so I won't answer completely right okay. now. But I will say one of the benefits of the action that was taken over the last few months uh, to sort all that out is that we are the only owner of units within that building. Okay. So we control the association, and we are the only owner because that that piece was carved out. The piece oh, beautiful. That, that, that okay. 
So essentially, if there is a restriction, we have likely a voting majority to... Yes, yes. The, the, the only thing I, I want to check is if there's anything else in the lease that might in a lease agreement that would prohibit us or okay. limit us. So again, I'm not. I don't want to be sound like I'm trying to be difficult. I think this is a fantastic idea. I think we want to do something that I think it's uh, having a community center focus. We just, you know, Gail Alexander, who's here, has done a great job kind of shepherding the Unity Wall mural, and I think maybe you guys can collaborate. And I think you know, obviously, one of the obvious charities that we can support is our own scholarship fund. Here or, or one of the other funds we've created at the Miami Foundation around an event. I think it'd be a great a great opportunity to gather community. Um, you know, we'll have our arts festival and this can kind of be an art installation that grows out of that as well and continues a lot of the work we're doing. But I just want to make sure that before we ask you to spend a whole lot of time creatively thinking about what we can do there, that there's not a legal impediment, Commissioner, to, to us executing this idea. Because I think it's a great one. And I think uh, it could be our own, you know, I think Commissioner Liebman has talked about Instagrammable moments. And this certainly could be one for our town center that could help also, you know, get some much needed publicity about the fact that we've got 426 spaces that go largely unused <laughs> for parking, uh, even though people say it's difficult to park in South Miami. So thank you for your willingness to, to help us with this, uh, with this exercise. Co colleagues, any questions or comments? Commissioner uh, Corey? I just wanted to welcome you to the city for the amount of time it took. We should have thrown you a block party too. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but thank you so much for uh, uh, you know, the donation offer and donating your time and, and being such a, such a good resident. We're, we're looking forward to a long relationship and you helping beautify our city. By the way, I didn't know you guys had a South Miami like art festival. So next year, if you want, I'll design the poster for you guys. Sounds good. We've got, <laughs> it's this weekend. So uh, we'll put you in touch with the, uh, with the uh, South Miami Rotary, the Rotarians who run the, who run the festival for us. Awesome. So further comments, questions? Commissioner Kaya? Welcome, welcome to South Miami. <clears throat> Thank you so much. I, I just want to reemphasize that Gail has a great amount of talent uh, getting the kids together to help you out with whatever you need. So I think that was a great idea, and yeah. she's the right resource for you. Um, to the commission, I just want to make sure that we also understand, you know, when it comes to art, especially some things that we want to highlight, lighting, infrastructure, all that stuff that we need to look, look into it, because uh, it's going to be important there. So we want to make sure we highlight it correctly. Lighting is a big deal when it comes to art, you know yeah, that. Of course. So it's something that we haven't really looked at as well that we need to make sure we plan for. So. Sounds good. Thank you. Can I ask before we send them off, we'll get, we'll get, just want to make sure we give staff direction. Do we want to, we'll get clarity on the, on the legal issue? Yes. If that is a yes, how do we want to proceed as a board? Is there any thoughts on that? Through the mayor's? Yes, sir. Well, I think that you said it correctly. Maybe go to back the, the downtown, what do, what do we call it again? I think, I think maybe, I, I'm just gonna throw this out there. You know, are there a couple, I mean, I, I'm very keen to kind of figure out how we get that side of the garage visible to people traveling, particularly eastbound mm. on Sunset, since that's probably- You're talking about the north side like, of the building? The west side of the garage, right, where the entrance is. I think, the, I think highlighting a mural on that side, which kind of, kind of creates a, a draw to the eye, would draw people to the entrance. I think that would be very value created for the functionality and future use of the garage. But I think we'd, it'd be good if you, once we get you some clarification that we can actually proceed, if you're willing to take a, a stab at a couple of concepts yeah, yeah, that we can then work through with you know the advisory board and, and, and then vet and see which one as a board, as a community we kind of land on through kind of a semi-informal process. And a vice mayor, do you have any thoughts? Since you're the uh, former curator on the board. <laughs> yeah. Um, for us as a city, I think it's important to make sure that 
whatever is painted by you is something that can be maintained mm -hmm. by us, um, that we then do the necessary things like anti-graffiti coding, stuff like that, so that he doesn't spend all his you know, time, talent, treasure, and then somebody comes within no time and scrapes it off, puts a name on it, whatever. There's a million different ways to kind of skin that cat, but we need to be aware budget-wise what this is going to be like, what's it going to look like before Absolutely. We, we tackle the project because the, with an art installation of that size, for both you in time and us in, in money, it's going, it, it can escalate quite quickly if there's not a very clear plan and not so much for him, but for us who don't know. By the way, just a suggestion. Um, what could be done, which is what I've done in the past, is a, you could say like the first floor of the mural, or instead of actually hand painting it, what we can do is we'll go. do it as a wrap. Mm -hmm. So that section will be wrapped. And the cool thing about wraps is, number one, it doesn't fade with the sun, but that area doesn't get a lot of sun. If anybody were to graffiti or do anything, it's a matter of spray, and then you clean it off, and it wipes right off. So maybe we do the first 10 feet with that kind of setup so if you know it gets chipped or people walking or whatever they deface it it's a quick fix and then everything above that again can just be you know hand painted yeah. the best thing is though is that you don't have sun there like direct direct sun so you the whatever mural you put there if it's spray paint or hand paint you're talking 10 20 years before you see a really any fading which is the best part the material that you're referring to is the 3m material for the wrap yes okay yeah I think it would be helpful if you can get us a sense of just order of magnitude costs. I think it's a good point by the by the vice mayor if we right. wanted to use that. And before we do that, yes. though, we need to get the answer from him because that that takes time. No, no, I know. I'm just like, talking. I'm I'm hoping the answer is going to be a positive well, one, right? So. Yeah, I'll get you that information. Yeah, I'll get thank you. you. What it Appreciate would be, that. Say the first ten feet yeah. for the little sections, and then we'll go from there. Okay, Commissioner Lee, you want to bring us home? Well, sorry, we, we did have a if you share that we did have a preliminary conversation. Um, engaged the manager I believe the commission I believe I mentioned last time about the approximate cost and the biggest expenditure it would be the the lift itself um, which the city could I'm probably just directly. having a senior moment about yeah, that. it was I apologize. Be about 20 or 25,000 25, okay. for okay. labor materials uh, biggest expense would have been the, the lift okay why don't we, should we bring back a follow-up item for discussion at our next meeting with the response from the city attorney and and uh, again just a, a summary of the cost Yes, ma'am. I think also when it comes to who will approve the mural, you're going to want a contracted group versus a very big group. No, I, I think we should approve it, yeah. my sense. And I would say, but I'd, I'd like at least to be vetted through some of the stakeholders in the town center. And that, that's how I envision it again, not to, I don't want to create a long and protracted process, but I do want at least to have people a chance to, to comment and we can have a public hearing about it here as well. Give folks another opportunity to say, is this something we think is, Positive or negative, how would they feel about it? Okay, make sense. Yes. Mm. Thank you very much. We Thank appreciate you. you. Thank Welcome you so again. Much. Right. Thank, Thank you. Bye-bye. Do we know the north side uh, is the best visible thing for it, like or the west side? I wasn't sure. Like what? I, what, what I think the I think the thought was just to. Um, the reason I was saying because on the on the west side, the building's gonna block it. The. Uh, no, I know. I, but the, I thought the idea of having it at the entrance was that people would have a reason to see to it. see it. They'd stumble across it, and all of a sudden they'd realize. It's a parking garage, but the draw is the art, the not the fact. Yeah, the north side would be the better visual spot where more, peop more people will see it. Correct. Yeah, but but there's but there's not an access to access. But that we can have a conversation about that as well. 
Okay, uh, moving on to the city manager's report. Mr. Manager? Yeah, Mayor, our deputy city manager will present. <clears throat> Good evening. Um, just two updates tonight. First, pickleball lovers officially have a home in South Miami. Um, the first dedicated pickleball court has been completed at Brewer Park, so everybody's welcome to come play there. And this weekend, as you just mentioned, is Somi Art Fest, so the city is going to have a tent right around um, Barnes & Noble. So we'll have different departments there, HR showing our city jobs available, Public Works is going to be there with some recycling and garbage information, PDM Parks is going to have activities for the kids, so everybody's welcome to come visit us and this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. Okay, and we have our senior games on Thursday, correct? Yes, Madam Vice Mayor, you're recognized. For pickleball, how do they reserve the court? Is it just open, people show up, or? Quentin can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe that it's open, but you can reserve it. There's a rate for residents and a rate for non-residents. Okay, just a thought, since we've had a couple questions about the referendum, if at that tent, there are a few residents that come by, if we can have some material to hand out, just the informational stuff we have on our website, I think that would be helpful as well. Okay. On the referendum, the ballot question. So we have we have informational material, I think, posted on our website. I'm not we're not producing a piece. We're just I think it print the ballot question. If people have a uh, have a have a question, they we can certainly answer questions about it. Just have to make sure someone's prepared to possibly respond to requests or inquiries. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Hall, sir. Yes, sir. Um, one of the comments that would, I would like to see, well, not comments, uh, so maybe city manager, if we can bring up the next commission meeting is an update on the annexation process. Um, something that I was interested in understanding where we are in that. It's been a while since we talked about that and just wanted to see where we were with that. Any further comments or questions, requests of the manager? Seeing none, we'll move on to the city attorney's report. Mr. City Attorney. Thank you, Mayor. I just have one uh, minor thing. Uh, the McCormick settlement is very close to being finalized. That was the, the lawsuit involving the, uh, the office building on, on 57th Avenue. The landscaping dispute, yes. The landscaping dispute, exactly. Uh, there, the, it's basically everything's been signed except there is one uh, piece, a release, and um, it, we would, they have asked us, they are also releasing us, but we, they have asked us to execute a release uh, again, uh, that would release any uh, claims in the past and in the present, uh, present claims. Nothing in the future, obviously. Um, just want to know if any of you had any objections to to our executing that release in, in connection with this settlement, so that we can finally be done with this. That's what I'm raising. Comments, colleagues. What's your recommendation, attorney? Uh, we do not have any claims that we would be bringing uh, in the moment. Uh, we, the only thing I was I was adamant about is uh, the initial draft said, you know, future claims, and we're certainly not doing that, so. Okay. I think we're fine with the execution of the release. Great, thank you. Thank you. Okay, colleagues, uh, do we want to do commission reports now or at the end? Okay, at the end, okay. So moving on, we will take up the consent agenda. Do I have, are there any consent agenda items we want to discuss or have questions about? If not, I'd ask the clerk to read items one, two, and three into the record. Do you want to take one? I, I just want to thank the commission for their support of the police department and recruiting the best candidates. 
Thank you. We may, I may have the chief go up and say a quick word about that one, just for the, for the record. Mm -hmm. Madam Clerk, if you can read items one, two, and three for the record. Yes, consider agenda. Item one, a resolution of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, confirming the appointment of Randolph Brown to the Pension Board of Trustees. Item two, a resolution of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, approving the creation of a police officer recruitment incentive program an agreement to provide police academy tuition and cost incentive not to exceed $8,000 per applicant. Item three, a resolution of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida approving additional architectural and engineering services for the proposed restroom concession building at South Miami Park, authorizing the city manager to issue a purchase order to EAC Consulting in amount of $43,602.36 for such services. Uh, sorry, Mayor, before we vote, I just wanted to say one thing about uh, item three. Yes, sir. Um, yes, just for the public benefit, and I know there's been concerns also on my part in the um, increased expense with, uh, with improvements of this park. This was a county requirement. This is not another improvement, and this was um, a county requirement after the fact for the sewer that we had to run there regardless for the bathroom. Thank you for that clarification. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. And, um, if I can get a motion on the three items, I'd appreciate it. Make a motion. So second. a motion and a second by Commissioner Liebman. Um, Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll, please. Yes. Commissioner Calle? Yes. Commissioner Corey? Yes. Commissioner Liebman? Yes. Vice Chamber Nee? Yes. Mayor Fernandez? Yes. Consent agenda passed 5 0. Uh, Chief, if you can just come up and just quickly explain the public what we're doing on what we did on item two, just so they have a sense of what we're trying to solve for. Good evening, everyone. Uh, yes. <clears throat> First, sorry about my voice. It's a little hoarse tonight. Um, the uh, reimbursement and sponsorship for the police academy. So uh, the commission voted tonight uh, in favor of, and uh, we really appreciate your support uh, from the police department side of the house. We've been struggling with recruitment and retention over the past uh, year, uh, and that's a nationwide uh, issue. Um, <clears throat> by doing the, the, um, the reimbursement and the sponsorship, uh, we will keep competitive with other cities our size here in the region, and we're looking forward to being able to market that uh, at the police academy. Great, and so essentially just for the, for the public, we're gonna be sponsoring cadets through the academy. So they, when they go in, they're committed to us on the way out. We're not just competing for them in the regular pool. Uh, we've had kind of, a, for the last, with the last time this commission's been seated, probably consistently six vacancies in the department, which puts a lot of, um, Staffing needs and stress. If you read the annual budget reports, we have spent about 50% of our overtime budget in the first four months of the year, which has been a recurring problem. And uh, of concern to me particularly has been the stress it puts on our officers to work additional hours. And stressed and tired officers often can make uh, poor choices under duress. So we wanna make sure our men and women are protected out there, that they all have all the requisite support and full staffing. And so this is a, an attempt uh, in response to a recommendation from our new chief to kind of uh, help us compete better, uh, more successfully to attract new candidates to the department. So that's the reason we took this action this evening. Thank you, chief. Thank you. You said it better Appreciate than I did tonight. Thank no you, problem. sir. <laughs> okay, uh, if I can have a, I'd like to take up uh, our item six, which is the resolution on the traffic circles. If you could read that item to the record, Madam Clerk. Yes, item six. A resolution of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida approving traffic calming and modification devices to be installed on city streets. I move the item. Is, uh, second. There's a second. So we have a motion by Commissioner Lehman and a second by Commissioner Corey, but this is a public hearing item. So at this time, if there's anyone who'd like to speak, actually, why don't we start with a brief presentation 
Mr. Carbonatis is in the in the room, Mr. Manager. Yes, sir. If you could explain what we're actually what this item is intended to accomplish, and then um, to the mover and the seconder, I might want to make one modification. Um, if you would in indulge me, <coughs> sir. Good evening. Um, so basically, this item uh, follows the uh, traffic flow modification and street closure uh, procedure, which requires 100% concurrency from all four corners on a traffic circle or two-third concurrency from residents on a speed table. But it does allow municipalities, subject to the existing uh, interlocal agreement, to pass a resolution after a public hearing uh, to consider traffic flow modifications in lieu of the uh, concurrency. So basically, that's the, the resolution that you have in front of you. Okay, so, so essentially, just to clarify, what we're doing here is uh, we had three proposed improvements that did not garner either a response or an endorsement from one of the neighbors that touches on the improvement. And we are, if we pass this unmodified, basically authorizing the construction of those improvements, correct? That's correct. And okay, also so. for, for any future traffic common devices as well. Okay. Uh, do, would we have a, just to ask the city attorney, would we have a chance to look at those as well if they're budgeted or what, what, when, when would we approve a future? We have to go through a new study, correct? Correct. Correct. You okay, have to so. first do a traffic study, and then okay. if it meets the criteria, then it goes into the into uh, into okay. design and construction. So on a going forward basis, we'd have to have a public hearing for each one of those approvals. Is that a separate public hearing or a public hearing? How would the process work? If you can clarify, Mr. City Attorney. No, the the, the way this resolution is written, uh, you would get a chance to 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 authorize the traffic study itself. Okay. And then you would get a chance to to pass on the uh, the design cost, as long as it was over $5,000, and the implementation cost, which would most likely be over $5,000. Okay. Uh, so those were those are the steps. They would not be public hearings, necessarily. Okay, so b basically on a going forward basis, as the resolution styled, if the, st if the study warrants uh, the installation of a mitigation measure, it would get built as a matter of course as part of our capital planning process, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, okay. okay. So I just want I, I did not appreciate that particular nuance. Go ahead. I have a question. Yes. It would come to us if it was more than $5,000. Correct. So, in other words, as a matter of course, then in the future, we wouldn't see it if it was less than $5,000. Yes. But if the it's way more, this resolution we have to approve it. That, that, is, that is correct. The way and then there would be, would there be at that point, if we had to approve it, a public hearing on that item? No, there would not no, be. No, it would just be a contractual okay. vote to approve the item. It would be a contractual one, so if, if somebody wanted to speak on it, they'd have to do it. In public remarks. Okay. Or they'd have to reach out to us, correct, to address okay. it. Now, again, from a noticing perspective, it's the same. It's just that the way the, res the, way the uh, interlocal is styled, it requires us to have a public hearing to essentially override the 100% concurrence requirement. Correct. If I'm misspeaking, please correct me. No, 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 that's, that's correct. Okay. I think from the only thing from a noticing perspective, there, is, there was notice that was published for this hearing because it was a public hearing. Um, that would not be uh, published necessarily in the same way for uh, a contract approval. Correct. Okay. Correct. Commissioner Liebman. Thank you. I, I'd like to speak to the item, but I, right now I want to speak to the vice mayor's uh, question. Yes. So years ago, I'm sure it's much more now. Uh, every traffic table is at least twenty-five thousand, and and it also depends on on how you you take the item, right? Whether you bundle it, because first of all, there's a traffic survey. One, second is the engineering drawings. Third is the construction of the table, and then you have to, of course, the special paint, and then the signage leading up to it. So they're, you know, they add, they add up. They do add up, so. 
for okay. more than 5,000. Again, I would, this will be a public hearing item, but we did hear a comment in public remarks about the installation of a circle versus a uh, traffic table. Uh, I think the, the, the subject intersection was way before we stopped, but I think they, I, if I understood, and actually, why don't I do this? Thank you for the presentation. Well, let's open up the floor to public remarks. Jose, if you wanted to come up and speak to your item, we'll respond to it afterwards. The intersection I was talking about was 82nd and 58th, which right now they did put in a four-way stop. Um, somebody proposed, and before the four-way stop was put in, they had actually proposed a circle. In talking to the neighbors that actually walked the neighborhood that have been there, I mean, we've been there 26 years, and talking to people have been there 10 years, 20 years, the area between 80 and 84, the residents that live there what we experience is very different than the people that live south of 84th because the, there's no through traffic south of 84th. And the correlation I can say to that is the traffic on 84th itself. There's a circle on 59th and there's a circle on 58th. When they remove the four-way stops at those two intersections, the amount of traffic and the speed, it's crazy. and. People are rushing to get their kids to school or they're trying to cut through avoiding uh, 80th and um, Red Road. I actually got in an accident. Somebody hit me not paying attention on their way to school. And the general feel of the neighborhood, it's not just me. I mean, I just, because I found out about this at the last minute. Whoever I found walking on the street, every single person that has a pet or just walked over to the park or just to walk the neighborhood, every single one said, without a doubt, a four-way stop works much better. And I was only talking about the 58th and 82nd. The cars, at least with the four-way stop, either stop or at least come almost to a stop. With a runabout, which I, w I invite any of you to go sit on the corner of 58th and, 80 and 84th or 58th or 59th and 84th, and just see the speed. I've been flipped off when I tell people, slow down. They're just speeding through there. It's crazy. And, you know, and caught me. I mean, we've even talked to the cops. You know, there's very few places for the cops to hide and be able to stop people that go mm -hmm. through these stop signs. And once they do, it's all over um, the cell phone, so people know that the cops are there waiting. So that's been very ineffective. and the resources, the police have actually said, you know, there's other things that are more pressing. So, you know, as much as circles do look nice, they're not traffic calmers. And in fact, I would suggest that speed humps be put between 59th and 58th, west of 59th, and between Red Road and 58th, because the speeding going through there in the mornings and the evenings. You're talking about 84th specifically. 84th yeah, specifically. No, we, we, We've been running um, more than a handful of traffic um, details at that location because we've gotten a number of complaints from people on that segment. And I know, I think last week we had an officer out there actually citing people right. uh, in the morning AM peak hour because there is quite a bit of traffic and yeah. quite a bit of speeding on that segment. So I know we've had an officer deployed at one point was, this time was just east of 57th mm -hmm. on the last segment. Right. They've been further west before. 
Um, so it's something we've been trying to monitor because that is a that is a hot spot for sure. I actually uh, saw a young lady with her son about to go on a bike ride, and I said, "Look, be careful." She goes, "Oh no, I will not ride a bike north of 84th." Everybody that has kids head south of 84th because you don't have the same problem because that's a dead end area. So, which is great, but between us and 84th, and then I would say just because the cars coming through, I'd say you probably have a similar problem north of 80th. Okay. And, and you put the speed humps there. So it's the speed humps just do not work. You know, yeah. I'm all for the artwork. I think that's very good. But the, the, uh, he's talking about the traffic circles. The traffic speed, circles. Speed humps, he's an advocate for traffic circles. circles he's not. Then, yes. Yeah, not, so. not, not the traffic circles. Yeah. They just don't work. Appreciate your comments. Okay. Thank you. Yes, please come forward. You can pull the microphone down just a little bit further. Thank you. Hi, my name is Carla Bong. I live in, in the corner of 82nd and 58th yes. Street. And I don't live there since as long as Mr. Suarez, but I have been there for 12 years. So, Sorry, do you, live I, in the, do you live in the house on the northwest corner? Is that? Yes, I think so. <laughs> you, you live across it's, the street from the empty lot? The you're, on yeah. north, you're on the north side of the street. Yeah, I okay. live in the front of the Okay, you're the first. Okay, I was trying to figure out who hadn't responded to oh. the, the <laughs> questionnaire. So, okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been there for 12 years. Okay. Um, I saw that they were trying to do different things because I saw that they put the, this black line to see the speed. And we were talking about put something, a bump, uh, run about it, something to allow. But now that they put the stop sign, that we wanted for a long time, because also our, our kids grow there since they were they were little. So we seen uh, a, a couple of accidents in front of the house that they were not so good. And now with the stop signs, I think it's much better. As Jose said, uh, I drive, I bike in, in the neighborhood. And yes, in the 84th, it's kind of crazy the the speed that they goes and in the runabout is like they don't speak because I don't know if it's they are too big or or they, I don't know how but there is like there's nothing for them in front of them so I just want to support what Jose So I uh, just to be clear because I think you were the I I, I asked the, the administration uh, to bring forward this item because that I there were two uh, responses for the roundabout what what I what? agree with the stops I'm okay. happy with them Okay I don't think we need a runabout so you don't need to spend money in that because you, we already have this the stop signs Okay so you would vote if you if we had actually responded you would have said no No to the roundabout Okay I want to be clear yeah. Thank you she okay. took the roundabout way of, of saying of saying no. Yeah, thank no, you very sorry. much. <laughs> okay, thank Appreciate you. your comments. Thank you. Yes, please come forward. So, I'm on the corner of 82nd as well. Um, we just need again. You know, you said before, but your name and address for the record. I apologize. Sorry, 5781 yeah. Southwest 82nd Street. Um, so yes, I haven't been there 12 years or 20 years, but I have been outside of my house in construction for. 17 months sitting at that street corner waiting for DCs and whatnot. And yeah, I was hoping for anything. Uh, the stop signs definitely helped. Um, but literally just sitting there playing outside, I see just run the stop sign, run the stop sign, run the stop sign. So if you're going to run the stop sign, I mean,
mean, at least a roundabout, in my opinion, I think it would kind of at least slow something down. But I also would maybe suggest, because I've seen cities do this, is maybe do a stop sign and a roundabout, do both. Because what, what, what they're getting at is that people roll up to it and then they just hit it and their wheels go over the curb and they basically just kind of go like if there's nothing there. So if it was maybe designed where that round is maybe a little bit higher or there's an actual stop sign maybe a little bit before or a speed bump, then you basically can kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. Uh, the stop signs are already there. So you just move them back a little bit and put a roundabout. Um, because, yeah, every, every day I walk to the park on, uh, what's it called, Veterans. And, yeah, going down that one street is extremely dangerous, especially with a two-year-old. Um, so I think if we did, you know, either a speed bump in front of that park leading up to the roundabout as well, I think that would definitely help the situation. But I also think it would look really beautiful to have a nice roundabout in the area. But again, if with a nice sculpture, with a sculpture. <laughs> um, or at least a large specimen tree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I definitely think that, yeah, on 84th as well. And on this one, if they were going to do it, I think that having like, I guess, an additional speed uh, stop sign plus that I think is what it needs because stop signs aren't working and the roundabout aren't working. So there's got to be something that other cities have done to like, basically address that. Thanks for your comments. Sorry. Mr. Mayor, may I ask? Uh, speak of course, for you're, welcome, you're recognized. Um, and thank you, and I apologize, but is a proposed location for the for the roundabout directly in front of your house? Right on my corner. Okay, so assuming you're in favor of it, and the other the other two previous speakers were against it. One thing, and I could be wrong, not engineer, and I haven't seen the drawings, but based on the size of any roundabout, it would encroach on what is now your property. I mean, it's an easement. But yes. it would encroach on your property, most likely. Is that accurate? I think we should. I was going to ask that question of uh, so staff. So you still be in favor of it because it will. Well, no, I, I knew. I know. Okay. That it take away, but that, I don't use that corner for anything. Okay. The stop sign on it, anyways. All right. And there's a large easement on the corner. I just yeah. want you to be aware. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Anyone else who'd like to speak in public? Um, yes, sir. I'm going to give you one minute. Okay. So again, name and address for the record one more time, Jose. Jose Suarez. Um, you know, having both, you know, just don't get rid of the stop sign, but he talked about the mountable curb versus not mountable. The reason it's a mountable curb is because of fire. EMS, fire. yeah. Yeah, so it w you cannot have a different curb. And there's a, a traffic uh, circle on 62nd and 48th. They've had to put lights, signage, the amount of vehicles because they're speeding through there that have run through that circle and the land. They're all, yeah, but all those folks, I mean, I think that's, uh, I'm very familiar with the corner. A friend who ran for the state house lives on the northeast side. Most of those accidents are folks who are severely inebriated. So I think they're, it's not just typical speeders, you know, they're, well, no, I, but, totally. but I, those. yeah, those I mean, in the, our neighborhood cutting through, yeah. we get those. So if, if yeah. you do put, a, you know, if you do both, which I'm not, I, I don't have a problem with, but yeah. you don't move it. It is money, but you would have to put some bothers and, and so forth in. Yeah, no, I agree. Thank you. Okay, anyone else in public remarks? Okay, uh, we'll close the public hearing at this time. Uh, Mr. Carbonates, if you can come back up, please. So, so I think on I think on the first two um, improvements, 
there was uh, there was really no objection. Uh, there was part of the objection of one party. I I I, I just I had asked staff to bring this item forward because I had seen in the responses that there seemed to be more people for the improvement, at least in response to our initial inquiries, than not. Uh, I know on the on the one on 58th now and 82nd Street, we're it seems like it's a divided, evenly divided vote. So. Uh, on the first two, I was going to ask Commissioner Liebman, since you were the mover, and I think Commissioner Corey, you were the seconder, I, I'd like to go ahead and see if we could adopt those two. On this one, I don't know if we, I, I, don't, I don't know what the design of the, of the roundabout looks like. I don't know. There were some concerns from the owner on the southeast corner who's got an unimproved lot, how it might affect the marketability of that lot in the future. Uh, I had not had a chance to speak to, I'm sorry, I, I, I did not get your name. I forgot it. But... Um, the owner of the northwest corner about her objections uh, it had been reported to me secondhand this morning from Mr. Valois, who lives, who owns a lot to the south. Can you just describe what the improvement looks like? What would the it, it, will there be an impact? To Commissioner Lieben's question on the uh, adjoining property owners, or is the roundabout squarely fitting within the uh, parameters of the right of way? So, um, my recollection, um, I've seen the plans uh, probably a couple of months ago. Last time, uh, we've already submitted them to the. To the county, we've been through the whole iteration of the design through the county, and they've been accepted. There are some minor uh, encroachments at this, at this intersection of 58th and 82nd. I don't think there's anything major in there. Uh, 76 and 61 has an FPL pole that, that does have to be relocated, but I think in this corner there's nothing major that requires relocation. But again, I would have to go back, uh, you know, to the plans to to confirm that. And I, if you want, I can bring it back or, or let you know tomorrow, but um, right now, from memory, memory, uh, I don't think there's anything major here. I just want to point out that uh, in a roundabout, uh, there's no stop signs. The, the, the county re, uh, standard is a yield sign, um, so that would require some sort of a, a waiver from them. waiver from, from the okay. county, if okay. you want to do that. I just want to point that out. Okay, no, I was going to ask that question next, so thank you for anticipating it. Did you have any questions, Commissioner Lieben? Since I know you're familiar with the area as much as I am, so. Okay, okay. Any further questions from staff? And again, if we were to defer action on that one, could we get clarification of the county as to whether they would support a waiver to keep both the, and do we have any other intersections that have both a roundabout and a, and a stop, and stop signs? We do. Okay. I've, I've been asked by the county to take the stop sign down. Okay. Um, I've, I've, you know, since they've been, the, the, they were installed before my, my time here, I left them the way they are. Uh, I know the county's, you know, they, they're wanting them down, but for, for now we've left it as is. And, and the last question I have is, uh, since this study kind of predated our tenure here, why do we, I mean, do we study specifically for a traffic circle condition at that location? No, we, we, we studied, we did a, a citywide uh, traffic study on 66 locations that were complained from the residents. We had a workshop and residents showed up and they expressed concern about, you know, speeding, cut through traffic, et cetera, et cetera. So we selected 66 locations. We did the study and these three were the ones that met the threshold for traffic calming devices. Okay, but so traffic calming devices generally, but how do we end up with a traffic circle versus, we've heard from other folks, you know, uh, speed humps further down both segments to help reduce the travel travel speeds that was entering the, the intersection? That was that was a recommendation of the consultant who did the, the study. Okay, so our consultant recommended this device Sorry. versus the alternatives, and do we have any sense as to why, or just that's just where we came out, as best uh, you know? I, I don't recall. Okay. Any further comment, questions, comments? Nope. 
Okay, thank you, Arlie. We appreciate you. Okay, to the board. What do you like to do? Certainly not an expert in anything, so it's, it's just testimony. Neither am I, so we're, but, in, good, we're uh, in good company then. I don't know about that. Yeah. But uh, I, I was hit in the, at the four-way stop sign um, by a friend of a friend's daughter who just ran the, the stop sign. So you can get hit any time. So I think, I think the best example in our neighborhood is the stop sign, the four-way stop on, I think it's 80th and 59th, which you know I constantly see people blow through well, it as well. So In front of Mr. Suarez's house, yeah. the Suarez's house. So not, not by them. Yeah. Uh, um, second is the, one of the issues with the stop signs, not disagreeing, but there's also ambient noise from brakes, tires, right, which, which you have a lot less of. Um, at the uh, at a traffic circle, traffic circles, in my opinion, are much more elegant. Really beautifies a neighbor, which is something I've been trying to do as long as I've been up here. A lot of these stop signs get rusted. You have tree branches in front of them. Um, everyone can see a traffic circle unless you know the neighborhood. If you're mentally familiar with the neighborhood, if you live there, you know where the stop signs are. Or if you cut through every day on the way to school, but if you're just going through a neighborhood, sometimes you don't see the the stop signs. Um, and then the other issue with uh, speed tables, the reason why a lot of people don't want them, and I think uh, Commissioner Corey's uh, aware of this, is that they make, they make noise. I know they've been redesigned and they're longer and so forth. They're wider, pardon me. But that's why people do not want them in front of their, uh, in front of their homes. And the other thing is, is um, I'm sorry, this could be based on misunderstanding and my agenda review today, but I, I thought one of the reasons we were meeting about this item wasn't to necessarily approve it, but to reduce the number of votes or not let one hold out, hold up an item. Yeah. And coming from the person who m tried on multiple occasions, finally successfully to reduce five out of five, I'm absolutely in favor in favor of that. So is that what we're doing? We're voting to limit the number of votes or opposition? So yeah, so I, as I understand, the city attorney can correct me, or we you know, the county's policy it. requires unanimous consent of all right. the neighboring owners. I also agree that in many cases, one person can hold out an improvement that the majority of people want. In this one example, right now, I'm, I'm, I've become aware today that there's two people for and two people against. It's not quite the condition that I had appreciated before, where it's still, it's good I thought there was one holdout. I don't disagree. I think we can make a decision either way. I'm, I'm happy to make one. I think the, the question I had, I mean, I, I agree traffic circles can be an elegant solution. I've expressed my displeasure with the condition of our traffic circles generally in South Miami. That's more the landscape. That's an aesthetic issue, right. but it's also, I think, a safety issue because to going back to Mr. Suarez's point about the traffic circle on 48th and 62nd, one of the issues is that, you know, if you're if you're driving down Malaga uh, before you get to the bridge across the canal there in, in Coral Gables, you see a magnificent specimen tree. It's impossible to miss the fact that you're entering an area where you're, if you don't slow down, you're gonna run into an immovable object, right? We have, you know, trees that maybe are two, two inches at DBH. Um, so they don't have the same visual effect to, to basically require people to slow down. That is the same condition that they have at that county traffic circle on 48 and 62nd, right? People, again, my, my understanding is the majority of them overwhelmingly are very inebriated, but they drive because they see just, you know, at, at, at eyesight, they see basically an open line of sight across the intersection and they have no impetus or there's no warning visually for them to slow down. So I think, again, I don't, I'm, if maybe I'll really if you can come back up and just clarify, we, I, I'm not sure how we're planning to address the center of the traffic circle to the extent that we're gonna put something that is 
an elegant specimen tree and not have those very tacky, you know, uh, directional signs that a county sometimes will require under their standard, I think it's a much better solution. And may I add to it, Mr. Yes, Mayor, I, and I assume most of these accidents that you're referring to happen at night. They do happen at night, yes, sir. So another idea, I know we'd have to run electric, Mr. City Manager and Mr. Engineer, but light up those Yeah, trees, up light them, yes. Beautify it and make it more visible. Yeah. So what is the, if you can, again, clarify, how will this uh, one traffic circle be improved? So we have, we have right now, we're looking at, with, with a landscape architect at these traffic circles to see what they can, they can come up with. Uh, obviously, you have to keep in mind the visibility issues on a, on, a, on a roundabout. They have to maintain certain visibility issues. Uh, so they're, they're looking at, uh, they're going to provide us with several options, which okay. we'll, we'll bring forth, and, and uh, you know, you guys will look at it and let us know if that's acceptable. Okay. Can, can we just to kind of, so we can kind of wrap up this conversation, if the mover's amenable and the seconders as well, I'd like just to bifurcate this one item and table the approval of this particular traffic circle so we can get some clarification on what the improvements are gonna look like and then hopefully vote to approve it out afterwards. Because I, I think on balance, I'd prefer to see a traffic circle over just the plain four-way stop to the folks in the back that are interested in this item. Um, but I do want to make sure it's done in a way that's going to have the right kind of visual effect as you're approaching the intersection, as opposed to just give you what's been the history here, which is kind of an unimpeded line of sight where there's really no obvious reason to slow down and people do try to kind of accelerate through them uh, once they get to the intersection. So that would be my request, uh, Commissioner, if you're amenable, if you'd accept that modification. Yes. Okay. Is there no? Yes. Okay. So with that, thank you. If we can then uh, call the roll on the item as modified. Well, before, can yes, sir. I just had a quick question for you. <clears throat> what do the studies actually show? Because there is a speed issue with roundabouts. I mean, is there any studies that have been done? Do we need to run another, you know, speed test to make sure, verify what what we're seeing out there? Is that something we should do or not? I I, sure I, I would imagine, Mr. Carmenas, if you want to come back up, uh, I, I imagine his answer is going to be that that. Again, this is what the uh, traffic engineer who performed the study recommended as a as a mitigation measure. I know, I'm just asking for I'm asking for a result-oriented type of study, right? So, we deem it to to need a roundabout or a stop sign or whatever. Do we actually come back and verify that it's actually working? It's a legitimate time? question. It's a legitimate question. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we do we come back to to analyze the numbers to see if it's working? Uh, we haven't done that. Something that can be done. We, we want to make sure it works, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Let me just add, uh, uh, just, uh, I mean, we still have to maintain, you know, county, under this uh, intergovernmental agreement, we still have to maintain county standards, right? You know, what we're doing here, we're still under the umbrella of that agreement, and they are just giving us the ability to do this. So to, to be able to get to this point of being able to install something requires traffic study and engineering analysis, right? So based on that information, uh, you, whether you have a go forward or not, so that information uh, precedes uh, any recommendation. Once they have the findings, then the engineer will recommend which type of traffic calming device to, to, to install. So leading up to it, that's everything that happens. And that's still under the purview of the county inter intergovernmental agreement. This item here just allows us to move in, in, a, in a somewhat different direction, which is allow through public hearing and resolution to approve uh, such installation versus the uh, requirements that the county may have as it relates to thresholds of votes, both in an intersection and or in the middle of a block if you're doing a speed table. As it relates to 
if I understood your question, Commissioner uh, Kaye, that we go after the installation, let's say in a traffic study, and, and do traffic counts to determine you know, what has happened pre and post. I don't think the city has had that practice. That's probably not, I would say, a common practice necessarily. Um, so I would probably mo most, most people would say, because the studies were done and it was recommended that that would be the appropriate that, that that was you know the proper. So I, I think doesn't mean that it works in all cases. Mr. So. Manager, I think the I think the way to kind of bring this conversation because I, I have the same curiosity is maybe we bring this portion back if we can just have I, I'm assuming it's Kimmy Horn who did the study for us in 2017 or who, who did the traffic study for us? It was done by Marlins. Marlin, okay, Marlin Engineering. So if we, if we can have the if one, we, one question on top of that real quick, it was the traffic study was done by who? Marlin Engineering. And who actually did the design of it? The design was done by um, Stantec. Okay, so it's separate, right? Two separate, two separate consultants, right? Just verifying that. Okay. Sorry. Again, in terms of just understanding the basis of the recommendation, if you could just ask why they chose to recommend a circle here as opposed to speed humps uh, pr prior to both ends of the intersection, because that could have been another alternative that was warranted. Make sense, Commissioner? Mm-hmm. I think that would be helpful information. Yes, sir. But you wouldn't really have speed humps on those avenues, maybe on the street. I think I think the, the I think I, I, I would imagine that the east west traffic is less of a problem there, but I may be wrong. I mean my observation driving that segment is it's north south. That's really the, the where people are trying to exit the neighborhood particularly uh, quickly or or cut through the neighborhood from eightieth down to kind of bypass the intersection at red and eightieth, but that's 84, yes, 84th, without a question, the problem is east-west, so definitely. I, I live that intersection, live that stretch, as Commissioner Lehman does every day. But I think on this segment, really, the, the problem is on the north-south directional. And by the way, there were tra traffic study warranted um, a traffic table on 85th Street, but yeah, a neighbor. A neighbor objected. So right. yeah, I, I think the goal for me was to get over the singular objection. This one, it's kind of a split vote. I'd like to look at it further. I'd like to understand what the design's gonna look like. If we can bring it back, I think the commission's been amenable to that. And if we could answer Commissioner Kaya's question, I think, which is, why do we suggest this versus some other intervention? That would be helpful. And if you could let us know whether people come back and perform after the fact installation studies as a matter of practice, I think that would be good information. I, I imagine the answer is no. To your point, Mr. Manager, I haven't, I haven't heard of it being done, but, um, you know. Well, me, me, me neither, but. We do have constituents that are worried about that, so this might warrant that one. If we need I think to. I, I, you know, I think I, I, I'd like to understand, you know, because my my perception as a layperson is that the problem with all these intersections that are problematic, be it on 84th or 62nd Avenue and 48th, closer where you live, is that just if you can see through something, right? There's no reason to stop, right? You kind of you just you get to the intersection, particularly at night, and you imagine you can drive through it, and you come upon the roundabout. And you kind of discover there's an impediment there, and all of a sudden you're trying to decelerate enough to get around it, right? But you're not really reducing traffic as you arrive at the intersection. That's my layman's perspective on it. So I think, you know, for me, certainly when I, again, I'm driving down Monada to get home because I'm cutting through the gables to get to South Miami, I see that big tree in the middle of that roundabout, I know I gotta slow down when I'm getting towards that intersection. It's just, you know, it just tells me, if I don't stop, I'm gonna run into something that's probably gonna take my life because it's that big, and, so. And typically, uh, just so you know, typically when we install a traffic circle or we, or we put in uh, speed tables, uh, we, you know, the complaints that initially came from residents, uh, they go away, so 
you know, we don't get any more complaints from anybody on that street where we implement a traffic control device on speeding or, or, or you know, cut through traffic. Uh, so I think 84, way, 84 way, Street's you know, the only exception, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, in a way, that's kind of like a, a measuring tool that we use, uh, you know. Uh, that's fair. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, again, uh, to make a correction on what I said earlier, uh, the actual designer is SRS, not Stantec, SRS. So I'll be bringing the plan from SRS uh, for 82nd Street and Avenue. Yeah, already, already. I was just wanting to make sure that the study and the design were completely two different companies, right? Yeah, they're two different companies. I don't want to make sure that design companies are telling you to do something and they benefit from having more work, no, more absolutely. design work being done. No, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Ma for that. Mayor, I just want to clarify, make sure we, we're clear on the ask. Are we bringing back and reviewing why all three intersections? What, what was recommended? No, just this one that's been the subject of dispute. Yeah, but I just, well, the others also have been, if we consider that, in fact, we didn't have the threshold for approval. So. I didn't know if we were going to also analyze those or. I, you know, my, my, my recollection of this, we had affirmative responses and the rest were no responses. Am I recalling the situation incorrectly for those other two intersections? Again, we get, for the benefit of the public, we get, th you know, three responses, two of them count as no's, right? We get an affirmative response, which is a yes from the neighbor. If we get a, a no, it's a no. If we get no response, it's counted as a no. Am I, am I correct? Yes. Yeah, that, that's, that is the outcome. Yes. So I'm, we have I'm, the other two intersections. That are no, there are no recorded no's, to my recollection. It was just, just no responses to the, to the inquiry. Okay. I'm trying to pull up each individual one. Uh, so 76th Street and 61st Ave, uh, we had uh, a no response. No response, no response, uh, and one concur for 58th Ave and 77th Terrace. Um, a concur, a no response, a concur, and do not concur. So it was one. One no. Okay. One no and one uh, uh, okay. no response. And on 82nd Street and 58th Avenue, we had we one had do not concur, one no response, and, and two, two concur. do concur. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, um, I think we have a motion for the item as modified and a second. second. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. And uh, Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll. <laughs> Commissioner Kaye. You want to come back to him? Um, I'll come back to him. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Commissioner Corey. Yes. Commissioner Lehman. Yes. Vice Mayor Bonin. Yes. Mayor Fernandez? Yes. Item passes as amended. Okay, thank you. So let's move on to, um, if you could read first uh, item eight, please. First reading on the pension plans. Item eight, an ordinance of the Mayor and City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, amending the South Miami pension plan to allow the purchase of up to five years of prior military service by all participants by amending chapter 16 pensions, article two city pension plan, Section 16-21, approaches of credited services. Thank you. Um, Move the item. Is there a second? Second. Any questions or comments? No. Seeing none, Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll. Yes, Commissioner Lehman? Yes. Vice yes. Yes. Commissioner Corey? Yes. Commissioner Kaye? Yes. Mayor Fernandez? Yes. Item passes 5-0, first reading. If you can read item 9, please. 
Item 9, an ordinance of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, amending Section 7-16, pre-construction and construction standards for sites of Chapter 7 buildings of the City's Code of Ordinances to require restoration of bonds for construction work impacting city property and or rights away, to prohibit construction work on legal holidays in residential districts, and to require a staging and parking plan for construction sites. Thank you, Madam Clerk. And Commissioner Liebman, did you want to have a comment? No, I'm just asking you to move it because it's your right. I'll um, happily move the item. Second. Great. Any questions or comments? Um, no, but this is in response yeah, to the I public just, so you. Correct. So we, we all uh, took some steps to make some modifications to liberalize when construction could occur in single family districts. As we kind of continue to try to strike a balance, we've heard some complaints about construction happening on legal holidays. Obviously, want to give people a chance to rest on those days. This is a response to that. We've also seen on 84th Street, you know, people using the median that we spent money improving to park and stage. And so we want to make sure if people are using our rights of ways and swales that we have a restoration bond in hand when the permit, a building permit is issued so that if they do not restore those public rights of way, a restoration can happen by the city at no additional cost to us. So that's the main impetus for this item. It's an attempt to respond to some complaints and some growing pains that we've had in recent, in recent months and uh, appreciate your support here on first reading. If you have any questions, happy to take them. Yes, Madam Clerk, Madam Vice Mayor. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> um, I asked the city attorney a question, and I think we might benefit all of us from hearing it. I said to him, I thought we already had a bond for construction in place. Yeah. And you can say Sure, it Madam Vice Mayor. The, uh, so we, we have a bond in place for when, you're, when you are actively doing work in the right-of-way. So you're modifying the right-of-way, and it's to restore the right-of-way. This is a separate bond. This is if you're doing work on private property, but you're using the right of way for materials, for parking, that kind of thing. Uh, this would be to restore the right of way if you do any damage. So uh, the example that the mayor gave, uh, people parking on the median, uh, if they're, you know, I don't know what that is, but if if, uh, if there are plants and trees that are that are damaged because of it, and and uh, your grass is torn up, that would the bond would be to address that specifically. Okay. And then the second question was that it didn't make sense to me to require somebody in a residential neighborhood to have a staging and parking plan for the construction site. And I, because I see on commercial, okay, it makes sense. You know, they're building in front of Casa Cuba and the guys have to park their cars in the garage. But when you're in the neighborhood, there is no parking garage, there is no parking lot, there is none of that near there. So, Saying this, I think, is kind of like an odd thing to have for a residential construction. It doesn't make any sense to me. And I think that the bond itself would take care of any damage that happens. I, if there's construction happening near your house, construction workers are going to have to have parked somewhere. They usually park on the properties. And then I, I would imagine when you're talking about the right-of-way damage, you're referring to big trucks when they come to drop off or pick up, and that makes sense. But this staging and parking plan doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, so I'll, I'll take a crack at explaining why why I requested it. So, you know, uh, we end up, when we don't know where people are parking, what they're doing, what they're planning on doing, we end up with disputes with the contractor as to whether or not their workers or subcontractors actually created the damage. So the reason for requiring is just to make sure that, you know, they tell us what their plan is, we know what their plan is, we can hold them to their plan, but we're also not blaming them for work that other people People service homes here all the time. They may park some places, they may damage property. 
I, I certainly don't want a contractor to be held accountable or responsible for someone else's damage. So um, I think having an understanding of how they plan to stage and manage what are the development of large single family homes for the most part that we're seeing, certainly in my neighborhood, uh, not unreasonable to kind of ask them how they plan to manage that, uh, the staging of vehicles from subcontractors that will be working on the site. Um, usually they're parking in the swales, public swales, you know, near the homes. Uh, it's obvious, so it shouldn't be, I don't think it'd be a big burden to say, this is where we, you know, take out a map, we plan to, to park, and we'll have, you know, these number of people here at any one time, or during different times of the construction. Um, certainly, you know, if there's a modification that, um, and I've shared it with a few builders to kind of get their perspective, and happy to make some further modifications with this Cabrera, if we get some feedback they think is particularly onerous. But the goal is to kind of just document the condition of the right of way and also make sure that people aren't getting, we're doing good work. We have a few contractors that very, after they, they'll damage the soil, but they'll go out there and they'll lay sod. I think Mr. Mihada's contractor did exactly that on, on the avenue. No, he did not. Okay, well, yeah. Yeah, so they did, they did a portion of it. I saw, I guess, the portion that was taken care of. But they, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want us in after the fact mean, disputes when, with neighbors, and I think this is one way to avoid it. You mean to say they did it half grass? Half grass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah. so then based on that explanation, are we then going to tell the contractors, you and I'm making this up because, yeah. okay, uh, so this is the house, we're gonna be responsible for this whale, this one, and this one. That's what then, if that's what they're saying as their part, as their plan, yeah. that's what we're gonna hold. Correct, and they'll be able, we'll be able to send code enforcement out there to check and make sure they're adhering to the plan. And yes, sir. And sir, in response to the vice mayor, to piggyback, what you're saying, Mayor, just quickly, it's just a matter of being a good neighbor. Sometimes it helps when things are documented, but um, this is in response to a lot of independent public and really neighbor feedback. We've been getting a lot of it in that area from large construction crews tearing up swales and people don't know it's, they can do it. It's public property. It's okay, I think one, property, one, one of the biggest offenders is a utility that's had crews roving around the neighborhood and, and parking in city parking on city property without authorization. I don't have a way to bring them under our, our auspices, but this here we can do something. So we're just trying our best to strike a balance. Okay, Mr. Kaye. Look, I, I understand where the problem is and I understand where people are getting, you know, ticked off about the issues, specifically in that neighborhood. You know, I, I'm a contractor. I've never had to have a plan on where to put, you know, cars or trucks or when I'm doing a job site. I, I've never had to do that. I don't even know how to do that. So the first part is, you know, how do we enforce that? How do we make sure that someone has a plan? Is that something that we're going to add a step to to verify that? Because I've never had to do that. Um, you know, and the second part that, you know, and I've done it in the Coral Gables. I've never had that problem that we had to go pr provide information in Coral Gables on where to park the cars where we're doing construction sites. Um, the other thing that I had a question was, how do we enforce all this? Like, what is the enforcement plan that we're going to have with all the planning that we want to do, all the requirements that we're trying to do that, and then go ahead and fulfill, um, you know, enforcement, which you know we're still trying to catch up on what we're going to do from an enforcement perspective, which is something prior to you that we've struggled with. So, like, I just want to understand what the plan would be. Yeah, Mr. Cabrera, you want to take a crack uh, at the answer? Let me say something yeah. just before Ms. Cabrera, you know, shares certainly her, you know, professional and personal experience. I mean, there there is a problem. Uh, I mean, and I see it every day. I drive this entire city. And I see contractors, and, and a lot of times it's, it's subs. You know, they're, they're subs, and they're different all the time. Um, they have maybe a limited footprint of where to park, but that doesn't mean that you're entitled to damage other people's properties, including the city's right away. And, and it's happening. 
and it's happening, and it's not just big trucks. It could be the, the workers themselves, the subs. So it is a problem. It's a way to try to rein in a little bit for them to have some consciousness of this and, and take some ownership of it because it's like, hey, oh, that's a sub. You know, it's not my responsibility. It's so-and-so. They are causing damage. They are causing damage to, to areas that we have to maintain and we've invested money into, uh, and they're causing damage to other people's areas. So it creates some awareness and consciousness from the get-go. Um, this is not necessarily something that's uncommon. In, in some places, uh, they do have uh, this kind of uh, sort of milestone where you capture current conditions. And, and you know, the bond really at that point is just, that's just a um, sort of a fatal flaw. At that point, you're trying to recover from something. Uh, hopefully, this will prevent a lot of that, and, and you don't have to pursue the bond. So, uh, certainly, Ms. Cabrera has, has experience with this, and I'll let her share it, but I just wanted to share my personal experience of what I see on a daily basis throughout, including trash, having lunch, you know, littering uh, our, our swales. I mean, it's happening. It's happening all the time, and it uh, takes a lot to stay on top of it. Um, so, I think, I think we have a lot to grow here a little bit to make it better. Not make it difficult to build, but have some ownership and responsibility um, on behalf of the developer. And if it's not their employees, or subs. Good evening, Sonami Carrera, Development Services Director. So um, basically, the uh, staging plan is a questionnaire that we have. I brought it from the City of Coral Gables. We adopted it to City of South Miami. And you basically just answer questions. So for a single family home, a new single family home, it's not a very complicated plan. It's really just fill out this questionnaire letting us know that you have been conscious of this is the property. Do you have space to stage? Do you have space to bring all the materials at once? Or do you have to, you know, sort of bring your material as you use it? You know, these things, they need to be thinking about this. Otherwise, they just go out there and do whatever's easiest for them. And then we get the complaints in code enforcement. And we do have a mechanism which this ordinance actually puts into place that a violation of that staging plan will be a $500 fine. And we do that because it really is, from my past experience, the only way to get people to comply. And when you see a lot of construction, you know, not everybody is worried about the neighbor's tree or actually the median that you discussed, we uh, met with the arborist and he told us that the trees in front of that property on the median, the city property, have been hit by the construction trucks that most likely will not survive. Yes, Madam Vice Mayor. I just want to point something out as a general be aware. We have, if I'm not mistaken, is it two code enforcement officers? I'm sorry, I couldn't. Is, how many code enforcement people do we have? Two. two. So they're doing their regular work. <coughs> we'll be asking them to keep track of this. We just saddled them with the whole sprinkler thing because we didn't want the county to do it. And so we keep kind of incrementally adding little things. We need to be aware that these are two human beings that have a limited amount of time every day. So if we're gonna keep adding stuff, then we're gonna need to consider at some point what that means for those two people and if those two people are enough because we seem to be moving towards the code enforcement everything and I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think in some ways it's great and in some ways it's horrible, but we are doing that. We keep creeping and creeping, so keep that in mind when we make I these decisions. just on that point, I'll recognize you next. You know, again, it's, um, sorry, the public hearing's, no. it's not a public hearing item. Sorry, Jose, it's fine, I'm sorry. I, but we'll do our best to carry, I think, your perspective here. 
I understand, but um, you know, I think this is you know we can we can do code enforcement on a proactive or a reactive basis, and right, I think the reactive, frankly, the way we've been doing it, generates a lot more work and a lot more stress on those two employees. Frankly, if we have a plan, we know how many building permits that we have issued in the city. Every week, they can go out there and do spot checks. Right? It's kind of programmatic. It's just part of the day to day. They can build it into their schedule. You know, for me or for anyone else on this dais or the manager to have to call Ms. Cabrera for then her to then dispatch or have a neighbor do that, it's disorderly, it's chaotic, it interrupts the regular workflow. I think in this fashion, it almost creates a workflow that's more manageable than the alternative. That's just my opinion. Not only that, when you, yeah. when you give them a $500 penalty, you don't have to go back the next day and the next day and the next day because they just keep on violating the staking plan. I mean, oh. you really need to teach them a lesson. And then they police themselves because they don't want to get a $500 fine for every vehicle that's not parked where it's supposed to be. Commissioner Lehman. Sorry. sorry, the other thing I was going to say is, is I understand your concern, Vice Mayor, but the code enforcement officers are scheduled to visit these construction sites anyway. And, um, you know, just with the law in place, it gives them something to is, enforce. Is that, sorry, and, Mr. Mayor, is that yes, historically sir. what we've done? Like when you're doing construction that we have code enforcement go by there? Cause well, of yeah, of course. And then secondly is it could be in response to a, uh, a neighbor call as well, but at least now there's a law in the books that, that can be enforced. But so, I, I, sorry, Mr. Manager, I shouldn't have, maybe that question was for you about code enforcement. I don't know if I should have answered that. No, I, I, I uh, you know, there's a lot of things that uh, from a code enforcement uh, uh, has not happened necessarily. I, I don't know that it's a police state, if you will. Uh, I mean, I think it's been a very uh, sort of complaint-based, uh, but there's a lot of room to grow. And so it's, you know, balancing uh, wanting to have this kind of work done, but in a way that people will be mindful and respectful of their surroundings and have some ownership for it, uh, which I think is lacking. And so, and so I think, you know, we, uh, whatever the will of the commission is, if, if it's a priority, then you know it's up to me to figure out how to how to get that done, right? And and I'm mindful of the resources, as you mentioned, with two people. But uh, if the issue is a real issue that is beyond our capability, then we should set the tone of what that is from a policy standpoint, and I got to figure out how to how to step up to that. Um, so we're not it's not going to be overzealous, but we have a problem, and it's not great. It's ideal, and the amount of time that we spend babysitting a lot of these sites is more than what we should be doing because they're not taking ownership of it. And so I think, I think there's a little bit of a happy medium there to create some structure uh, that after a while people uh, then begin to understand, you know, we mentioned neighborliness. Most of this is just having some common sense, but a lot of times it's the subs and the developer is not on site. The contractor's not on site. So nobody's really policing it. I had, I had, I had that exact experience with a neighbor who's building across the street from me. Work started at 7.15. I frankly don't care because I'm out of the house by that time. But I called the owner because he wasn't aware, and I said, look, we're trying to allow people to have more flexibility. Just be aware that construction is supposed to start at 8. I really don't care personally, but someone else is going to call and complain. And we just can't, you know, we need to be able to strike a balance so that we protect everybody and then people don't get upset about the fact that, you know, there's construction happening on Saturday, right? That was a concession, right, on our side. We're going to give you more time to get through the process more quickly because we want to limit the window for disruption. But by the same token, let's live within the rules that we've enacted because we just need to be respectful of our neighbors. I think if we hold people accountable, the system hopefully will work well for everyone. 
Yeah, and we have a legal requirement to enforce the NPDES, which is the sediment control on the job sites. Um, pretty much all the building department staff got certified in the last two weeks to do this. I believe Public Works has also gotten certified recently. And when they go out to do those inspections, this is just another part of that inspection. I mean, it's just, they have basically, we've created a checklist that they just go through to make sure that they're meeting all, all NPDES and then any other items like the parking or the tree protection, whatever it is. Well, I'm just gonna say the last comment. Look, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna approve this. I mean, I'm gonna support it. Um, and I, I'm, the reason you're here is for that, right? To start putting law and order process and making sure that we have everything ready, like what we wanted. But I will say it's gonna be difficult for to implement. It's gonna be a little bit difficult. We're gonna go through some growing pains. I mean, uh, getting, getting whether a truck or a subcontractor or a landscape truck. You know, we, we most of the damage that we see on the swales and all this stuff from landscape trucks. Right, so those are the things that it, we're still gonna go see. It's hard to enforce. I'm just saying you have your work cut in front of you. I'm gonna support you, uh, and I think that this is something that we need, but it's gonna be, you know, we, we, there's a lot of work to be done there. Commissioner Lehman. To that point, I wish the landscape trucks would park on the grass and not the street. Yeah. Because they park on the avenues, the main thoroughfares, and they just block traffic, and it creates a hazard. Then you have to go against traffic. It's not a perfect system by any means. Let's vote. Adam Clark, if you can call the roll, please. Yes. Commissioner Lehman? Yes. Vice Mayor Moniz? Yes. Commissioner Corey? Yes. Commissioner Calle? Yes. Mayor Fernandez? Yes. Item passes first reading. Right. If we can take up item five, please. We have left items uh, five, four. I have the second presentation. If you want to defer that or if, it, if, you, if you want to defer it, I'm happy to defer it. Uh, we can also take up uh, the capital projects item. Those are the f those are the ones I have left on the docket. Am I missing anything? Okay. Madam Clerk, if you can read item five, please. Yes, item Stop. five. A resolution of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, amending final plan application PV-22-015 to identify the east 137 um, feet of subject property as separate parcels from the remainder and designating such parcels for part purposes. Designating the remainder of the plat for development of affordable and or workforce housing purposes. Directing the city manager to pursue development of the remainder parcel for affordable housing and workforce housing. Thank you, uh, Madam Clerk. Just by way of brief introduction, uh, these are parcels that were designated for development of the CRA plan a long time ago. We had discussed them, I think, briefly on a couple of occasions. I wanted to put this item in front of us so we could kind of get to the conversation about possibly reserving a portion for a park and dedicating the rest to development. I'm suggesting affordable and workforce housing. I'm open to uh, allowing it, you know, soliciting offers to sell it for any any housing related purpose, since that's the character of the neighborhood, but my reason for bringing it was, was that. Uh, so what basically, yeah, so if you wanna put up on the screen, maybe um, the image of the plot itself, basically the thought was the, uh, the northern portion uh, along south, Southwest 60th Avenue, about the first 137 feet, which is the depth of the adjoining single family home lot, which is the former homestead of Marshall Williamson, would be designated as a park. The balance would be then uh, surplus for sale and as the proposal has for either affordable or workforce housing. So basically- So what's the size of the plot? Can you the map? Yeah, so if we can. John, can you, you, don't have the, you don't have the item. Um, so if you've got, uh, yeah, I need to, um, it's 
So basically, the adjoining single-family home lot is about 137 feet deep. And so I thought we'd just match the character of that, of that existing platted lot. Basically, run that line north. That would be the footprint of the park that will be the subject of discussion item four. The balance could then be surplus for um, housing development, so consistent with the character of the neighborhood. So that was the, that's the proposal, essentially, that's in front of you. Mr. Okay. So City Attorney, am I missing anything by way of a description? Long term, I mean, um, beyond hopefully the designation, I, you know, in terms of the Marshall Williamson home, I think that's, you know, as we talk about capital projects, opportunities will hear that we can't possibly acquire land or property under our charter with, um, with bond proceeds. But I think uh, in terms of pre a preservation opportunity, given that this neighborhood is very quickly changing, preserving the Marshall Williamson home, possibly the city acquiring it at some point in time in the future, is a conversation whether this commission has it now in the short term or the long term. I think there's an opportunity to kind of create a historic enclave there, a park with a home that would kind of preserve the, um, at least preserve a, a portion of the, of the neighborhood's historical legacy. So, and recognizing, you know, uh, the homestead of the founder. You know, I think that was also a home that was, act a space that was activated for outdoor movies and whatnot is something that we can make part of our parks inventory. This is a long-term conversation. Not something I think we're doing in the short term, but I think this, this is the first step in possibly accomplishing some of that uh, potential. So you've got the image now in front of you. Again, if you look at 6500, basically if you ran their western lot line north to 64th Terrace, that would be uh, the park parcel from 60th to 64th. The western boundary would, would mirror that of um, the parcel at 6500. The balance of 6488 would then be platted for development is um, some some type of, of, um, of housing. No, so 6500 Southwest uh, 60th Avenue, long-term conversation, not, not certainly something I'm going to bring forward, not discussing today. This is the, the former is the former homestead of the Marshall Williamson family, and I, you know, Mr. McCants is going to help me with a conversation with the family. I don't know what their intentions are long-term. I just don't want to make sure, I want to make sure we keep a piece of that cultural heritage of the city if, if it's an opportunity. Again, it's their home. They can do with it what we want. As we talk about the item at the end, right, at the end, it's their home. What they want, excuse me, I misspoke. Um, you know, I, I think there's opportunities around item, the presentation later on capital projects for acquisition where we could expand parks. You know, the home of Christopher Cookie Arbor of next to All America Park could be a similar conversation where we have a structured uh, arrangement to buy that, to expand that park space, since acquiring park space in the city is challenging to begin with. So I'm just mindful as I look at opportunities to create public space where we own land, where we could possibly aggregate land in the future. And, you know, that, this opportunity and the other one are the two that are kind of top of mind for me as I think about uh, possible parks acquisitions over the long term. So questions about this item, Commissioner Corey. Um, I was just going to say, obviously, this one particular item that we're voting on now is about the affordable housing parcel, right? Correct. And, and I do like that idea of eventually joining it, potentially with the Marshall Williamson mm -hmm. Project. You could find something like the Merrick House Correct. in Coral Gables, where you actually have an activation space, which would be great for you know, whatever type of events or ceremonies you could have there as well. I do think I, I really like the idea if we are going to use city land that it has that kind of public benefit tied sure. to it on the affordable workforce housing. It's obviously something that is 
much needed in that area with generations having to leave um, due to rising housing prices. Um, I know, depending on how we do that, that may not be, you know, guaranteed to to residents directly in the area, depending on how we do it. But um, I do really, really like the idea, and I appreciate you having a vision for this and executing it because it's something that we've all been talking about for a long time. So I do, I do think it's a great plan, and I'm I'm fully supportive of it. Thank you for your comments. For the questions. It's fine. So no questions. Comments have, are in order. Would you like? I, to, I have some questions. Okay, oh, sir. Do you want to? Okay, we should leave and go ahead. Questions. questions yeah. Sorry. So for, what is sixty-eight fifty? This sliver here, not Tremaine, but. I, I don't know. It's, I believe it's okay. privately owned. Otherwise, it would be highlighted. Yeah, so. Interesting. That you it's, ours, it's ours as well. The top left. No, the bottom. Sixty-five eighty. Yeah. yeah. So and there's a thread in between. Sixty-five eighty southwest. I believe it's sixtieth. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. It's uh, probably the same owner that owns between 6487 and oh, something just happened to my screen. And the one below it. Um, but I, I think that's okay. I don't need that map's incorrect. I'm looking at I don't know. But sorry. Okay. First uh, question I have is um, for the for the city att attorney. Um, this was acquired before my time, believe it or not, by the CRA for the intent of, uh, of affordable housing, is that correct? So does it, is it uh, deed restricted? Does it have to be used for that purpose? Because when, the, when, we, when we sunsetted the CRA, the properties went transferred to the city. So if there is indeed a deed restriction, we'd have to look at that, but we're not aware of any deed restriction. Okay, but I believe, I mean, I could be wrong. Yeah, no, I, uh, Commissioner, my understanding is it was at one point identified for townhome development by the CRA, which I was Right, well, that, that was yeah. a part of, yeah. but I, I believe it was. A, what, actually, it was, McCants, rather than have you speak out loud, why don't you come up and we'll recognize you for a second since. It was, a, so my yeah. point is it was acquired for that Correct. intent. Yeah. It was a, the entire parcel was acquired for the intent of, um, of affordable housing. We wanted to do something different, different times, different housing market. We're okay. 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 Yeah, thank you. Thank you, sir. So, um, right, different types of different housing market, one of the different product. I told you, the Deligi, yeah. Mario is resident. He did uh, a design around the concern about preserving mango trees around the mango trees. Maybe there were seven, maybe there were nine um, townhomes. Obviously, expensive endeavor to make affordable. So, considering it was acquired for that purpose, and I hear that on this commission more anything else, affordable housing. The idea would be to make it all affordable housing. And I understand the interest in naming a parcel, but I think you can find a parcel where there's not a park. We're gonna discuss in a minute potential, discuss, let's get into it, but in the general obligation bond and potential uses for that money. And the first three things listed are parks. So right here, you have the heart of our, of our parks, which is our parks and um, where all our parks and rec employees are based. That's where the department's based. You have the community center, which is the best parks and rec offering in the city, is there. Uh, right directly in front, when we were talking about parks in front of, par in front of parks, in front of parks, directly in front, you have a park with, with tennis, with a playground, with a, a community meeting room. Um, and then we have Somi Park, which for public benefit is, is not a park, it's a, an afford, it's a mixed use housing development, but as part of that, that project, Somi Park is also charged with creating a public space which with public art, which is a park. 
So you have three parks you know, right in front of you. Assume you have this. So you have two parks right next to each other, this park, and then you have their community center, the pool, outdoor indoor basketball courts, or only gym, and so forth. I mean, to me, it's just four parks abutting each other. I think there's a better location for a park, and if you want to name something, there's plenty of other opportunities to, you know, to name something in another location. I would make it all affordable housing, and then you know better than anyone up here, Mayor, as a land use attorney, and um, Commissioner Kaye as well, you're in development, that the larger parcel, the more of an economy of scale you're going to have. There's nothing you need more when it comes to affordable housing than economies of scale, especially considering this is a less dense area than Somi, than Somi Park. So I think you'll detract from affordable housing or to just making all affordable housing, and you see this in the Grove, and name the affordable housing project. Look, look, I think uh, part of the other objective here is to kind of preserve some of the natural legacy that's on the site. There are some very, you know, wonderful fruit trees that are part of the entire of the parcel. I mean, I have mixed reservations about losing the ones on the west side. Um, I think as we think about the conversation we had today starting at 4 that ran to 630, there are probably going to be a few new thousand units, hopefully, over the course of, um, I'd say, the next decade built in and around this property. So I, I don't think we're ever going to lack, you know, we're never going to err uh, by adding more green space to that inventory. Um, I think this is, um, in terms of what we could do, which is preserve all of 6488 and make it a park, which is an option. Um, I think it's a pretty modest proposal to keep a portion of it. And I think, you know, uh, advance the rest for development, you know, could be affordable, could be workforce um, that would, you know, provide needed housing stock. Um, probably going to see very little townhome and or single family housing stock that's accessible to people in that price range. Uh, so this is probably the last best opportunity to do that uh, and provide housing that's not of a multifamily character um, in that area. That's the, that's the idea behind it. You know, uh, I mean, again, it's up to the pleasure of this board how we want to do it. We need four members to agree to surplus it for that purpose. Um, you know, I'm sorry, I thought we needed four. Did we not? Three-fifths, okay. I was mistaken. So, yeah. So, any further any further thoughts, conversation? Yes, ma'am. I I just feel that having a park across the street from a park doesn't make any sense. That's just me. I'm like, whether we decide we want to leave it with you know fruit trees for right now, while we look at what's going to be happening in that area, that's a different conversation. But carving out part of this right now without having a clear picture doesn't really make a lot of sense to me, especially because, like Commissioner Liebman said, there's a bunch of parks in the same area, and while I understand carving out green space is important, you have it. It's, it's, it's not lacking there right now. So I just think we need to keep that in mind. No, I don't know where else in the city we have a park across the street from a park, down the street from a park, two blocks from another park. Well, we, we sorry, to the mayor. Yes, sir. Um, I think that um, there's a big difference between parks as well. We all know that. We've, we've toured a lot of the parks. There's a difference between a passive park and an active park. We don't have passive parks in that area. So this will be designated as a passive park is my understanding. Yes, so, that would be correct. So that's the only difference there, right? We, we do understand the difference between active and passive. So there is no passive parks in that area. So this is why I think this might be a good solution for that. 
we, I've done a big study throughout the city to figure out if there's any other land that we can do for parks. It's not that easy, right? Prices have gone up. You know, there's a lot of opportunities, but we have to go buy. We haven't been proposed as a commission up here to go borrow so we can go buy and ac acquire properties. So it's, it's, it's very difficult to do that here collectively on this commission. So that's the only difference on the parks and then why we should probably move forward on that. Can I, can I ask a question? Just I, I know, I, I think you're reacting to the, the green space that's behind uh, J.R.E. Lee, right? Is that the park you're referring to? Yeah, but that's further further south on okay, okay. But so I I mean I think it's probably likely that the campus of that school, from what I hear, is going to be redeveloped, redeveloped, and with substantially more density and intensity than exists there today. And that's something that's going to be outside of the, our purview, from what I potentially understand as well. So I think you know again, just seeing the conditions changing in the neighborhood, we can disagree on whether this makes sense. Uh, again, uh, I'm not trying to overpark a community, but I think here we have uh, the ability to, you know, hopefully with the companion item, honor someone who's part of the city's political uh, history and, le and the legacy, part of the legacy of this neighborhood. And looking forward, you know, if we look long term, right, and that's what I'm trying to highlight here, you look at 6,500 and the, you know, the person who homesteaded this area, right, is another significant African American history in the in the in the history of our city. I think as we look at acquisition opportunities, right, to Commissioner Kaya's point, I think aggregating that corner and 6,500 is what I think would make sense in the long term. So surplusing 6,488 to allow for more housing development facing the green space and possibly a more intense use is something I think is I think makes sense. Um, but again, just my just my opinion, and hopefully I'll be able to earn you know the majority of your support on the item. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, sorry, yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, follow up. so um, two things. So th this is predicated on buying someone out of their residence because people are occupying sixty five hundred. So we're saying, hey, we want to do no, this. I, I, yeah, it's got it's got to be no. And I, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not. We're going to displace people. We're not, we're not. Know. I mean, this is this is just a this and is. It's a frothy market. We're going to have to buy. It's a conversation that's a long term conversation. It's and not something that we're going to do anytime in the near future. And then what I would do. In the minority, mm -hmm. maybe convenient of me to say this, saying it because, like everything else, I think it's in the best interest of the city. This land was acquired. You want to get the cans come up, but I'll argue he's biased. He already spoke that. But this land was acquired 100% with the intention of affordable housing. We should stay true to that, especially now that there's not a CRA. And if you guys want it, hit two birds with one stone, do an affordable housing complex can attach however you want to do it, right? So accommodate, create an economy of scale, accommodate, touch the most people, and then name it just like in the Grove after the specific person that you want to name the project after. There's, like the vice mayor said, there's parks on top of the parks. And by the way, the park in front, there's absolutely a passive area. It's a, maybe not land-wise, but it's part of that park is linear. It's expansive. There's plenty, it's all shaded. There's plenty of shade trees. Went at a bench there, so it attracts more people to go and, and sit and um, you know read a book or something. Do we just for my own edification? Do we own that linear section, or is it owned by the county? Which do we own the Parts section the behind JRE tennis court? So there's a tennis court there, yes. But I mean, do we own the entirety of that footprint, Playground. or is it owned by? Well, it's a weird. Yeah, it's a weird we shape. 
city of South Miami. We do. Yeah. Okay. okay. I didn't. I was. I thought it was owned by the part of the uh, school complex. So you have even more park area than you thought right in front. No, I know. I just. I. I think again. I don't think it's. Uh, again, I, this to me will be part of a historical campus if that ends up being something that comes to bear and, you know, preserving the you know some vestige of the legacy of those trees, that green space, and uh, maybe in the future if there's. A willing seller certainly not going to I mean, that home has been designated by the family so i think it's kind of speaks to their intention to want to make sure that the home is preserved in honor of the person who who uh, founded the neighborhood i think there may be a conversation to be had city to private property owner if they would want us to take responsibility for it and preserve the structure and and make it part of the city's um patrimony but again I, open to uh any modifications you all would propose um i mean i, I think this is my proposition I've heard your thoughts on it. Do we want to advance the conversation on the vote, or do you want to? Any, any other comments? No. Okay. Mayor, two, two. Yes, minor sir. Thing, two minor things. Well, first of all, I were you talking about Marshall Williamson Park, or were you talking about some other property that is? It, I think you were talking a, about a, the school board. Stuff. The person. There's a piece of. There's a piece of green space right behind J.R.E. Lee. Right, the, right behind Jerry Lee. Yes, so the, that's so county. The east, that's county. That's county. That's county. That's and right. the, and the yeah, east, north of that is a county as well. Yeah, whatever green the, space there is behind Jerry Lee, is is Miami-Dade County Public Schools. That's Jerry Lee. And this space as well, sir. And this space as well. Okay. Yes. Well, that's yeah. what my thought was. Yeah, yeah that's Miami-Dade Marshall County. Williamson goes like this, yeah. right? You're right. Across to the tennis court. It's down it's here. Just, it's just it down like below. That. Down here. Right. Yeah, but look. Circle. You should put the here. Make sure. Here. Look. Look how. It's a circle on the yes, and the tennis court, yeah. yeah. So it spans to that park. See that yellow? No, I, I understand, but I, you know, the comment was made that we had a park in front of a park. And I'm just mindful of the fact that. Mm -hmm. Thank you, sir. Would you consider, instead of splitting this lot, naming a garden or something in that park so you don't add more park on top of park? I again, do we want to? Is your is again? I'm not sure what your request is. So you want to surplus? Your your position would be let's surplus the whole thing for affordable housing. That's what I want to say. Yeah. Okay. My position too. Okay. I, I, but I, what I'm saying is, it, if there's another piece and the park goes in a bunch of different directions, your mic. Do you want your your microphone? Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. I'm saying if it goes in like a bunch of different directions, like we saw, you could consider. You know, do you want to name a garden or whatever? I, I yeah, I, I'm. I mean, there's there's two parts to what I'm trying to accomplish. One is stay true to the mission for what the land was acquired for. Preserve some of the. I mean, it's some, there are some very impressive, uh, very impressive uh, fruit trees on the property, on the whole of it. I mean, it's it, going to be a shame to lose quite a few of them when you redevelop 64. The other, the balance of 6488, and so I thought the way to do that most elegantly is right the right balance was to keep the northeast corner of that property as green space which we should designate as a park it's going to be a 5,000 square foot park we're not talking about a ton of land and the balance could then be put into service for needed housing and I, I do think that it'll be not that it's even out of character now if it were to be developed how it is but as you're adding density and we talked about in our zoning today there's more density coming not to that exact area, but around that area as well. I think that green space can be very much welcomed by the many, many residents coming in Somi Gardens or, in, or Somi Park or any of the other developments coming into. Shall we vote? Well, yeah, too quick. 
Yes, sir. It's not arguing against the trees, but I'll just have to mention because I've been to this conversation over time. A few times, yeah. Yeah, there's fruit <laughs> trees, right? mango trees. They're not protected. In South Miami, we probably have the strongest tree ordinance. Like no, it's not a matter. Not, I, I know. Yeah, I yeah. And then the last thing is, is um, Somi Park would be very similar to Jerry Lee, unless Jerry Lee, I mean, maybe it's, obviously it'll be different, so maybe teacher housing. But um, Somi Park was charged of providing a public space, and we don't know that the Jerry Lee development won't be either. I mean, you have to assume it's a county affordable project, just like Somi Park is, that they'd also be a charge, unless, I don't know, maybe this city manager, city attorney, maybe you know, Mayor, but I, I would think that they would have to provide a public space as well. No. I, I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with the plans are. I just know that there's been conversation about redevelopment. Right. So, okay. Uh, I appreciate all the comments and the feedback. And, um, Madam Clerk, why don't we go ahead and call the roll on the side? Sorry, we have one minor clarification. Yes, please. Uh, the resolution says the east 137 feet. I'm looking at the plat right now, and it's really more like the east 112 feet if the intention is to line up with the with the rear of the, the, yeah. the neighboring single-family house. Yes. Yeah, that's roughly 10,000 square feet. Yeah, the east 112 feet. Okay. That's fine. With that modification, I'd like to move it. Second. Okay. So a motion by myself and a second by Commissioner Corey. Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll. Yes. Commissioner Kaya? Yes. Commissioner Corey? Yes. Commissioner Lehman? No. Mayor, Vice Mayor Bonish? No. Mayor Fernandez? Yes. Item passes 3-2. Thank you. If we can read item 4, please. Yes. Item 4, a resolution of the Mayor City Commission of the City of South Miami, Florida, approving the naming of city property located south of Southwest 64th Terrace and between Southwest 60th Avenue and 61st Court in honor of and after Reverend Dr. Anna Price. Thank you, and so again, uh, my admin will make some quick opening remarks. Obviously, uh, it's Black History Month, and I think an appropriate time to reflect on and honor people who have made a contribution from that community to the city. I thought it was appropriate to consider naming this small space, this green space, in honor of the former mayor I also intend to bring back, and just didn't have the time to have the, um, the background check completed for Dr. Joyce Price, the naming of the existing clinic on city property in her honor as well. I know that the subject of um, honoring people while they're alive is a little bit controversial. We have a different standard in the code, but um, as I get older and reflect upon my life and the life of people who have impacted me, I think it's uh, a wasted opportunity not to give people their laurels while they're with us. And so that's why I, I wanted to bring this, this item forward at this time. So with that, I hope that you'll uh, give this item some favorable consideration and um, designate this small piece of our city in honor of someone I think who's made a, contrib a contribution that was substantial during her public service, probably more substantial afterwards. And so um, um, colleagues, open to your comments, your thoughts. Thank you. Uh, yes, Commissioner Kaya. I'm, I'm more than proud to uh, support this and in favor of our, our old mayor or new mayor or young lady mayor. Uh, you've been very insightful for me. I, you taught me a lot in the year and a half that I've been here, so I'm very proud to support this item on your behalf. Further comments? Commissioner Corey? I just wanted to thank the mayor for your tenacity and uh, in, in, in bringing this item forward. Thank uh, Mayor Price as well, and you, you've also you know, inspired me throughout my time here on this commission and prior to that. And I'm very honored to be in support of this item. Okay. Yeah, so I, I passed an ordinance for a reason. Um, 
I, uh, I champion naming a street named after Reverend Rodney James. Um, I uh, championed naming a street after the first openly gay mayor, not just in the city of South Miami, but I think South Florida, the probably. article, they all South Florida, um, but also first in South Miami. And um, it's also been the dais where we had someone um, who was on the dais who wanted to name a street after a city employee. The county called and said, no, no, oh, it's an active city employee. Commissioner Corey is very well aware of this. It's no longer arrest record. I was also on the, um, um, I'm talking about felonies. I was also on the dais when another person on the dais wanted to name something after someone that had been arrested 18 times in our city alone. Um, and like I suggested earlier, I think one, you know, two birds with one stone, I came up with a pretty, pretty creative way to do this, to allow someone to receive recognition today, but follow the ordinance. And there's a reason, Abe Holtz. Um, actually, the day I brought the ordinance forward, ironically, sometimes, usually not, the way timing can be peckable, the front cover of the Herald was an article about Jose Conseco and, and street naming. So I thought that the, that the ordinance brought forward was very creative. Someone could receive recognition today, but it was named at the appropriate time. And we named a street after the first Hispanic mayor, after uh, the first person to ever serve in the city to go on to higher office, the person who brought more positive attention to the city than anyone else, because during that time, the city received national recognition as an all-American um, city, and we received a grant to buy an um, uh, all-American park. But that said, the ordinance I suggested was to receive recognition today, but the, the park would be named after that person at the appropriate time. Um, the time someone is deceased. That happens to be a best practice nationally. So I have to stay true to the ordinance that I championed for very good reason. And um, I, have to f I have to follow my own ordinance. So, and, I, and I've said this publicly countless times. You have, you have. So I'm not, I'm not I think you're and being it's who I am. And I, don't I think compromise you're being consistent. Myself and I think I you're being consistent. And so I, I, I would mean, just say. No disrespect to name it. I mean, after, same thing did for other people. I mean, I think um, the only thing I would say, and to, to keep the conversation short, since time is time is the hours late. You know, I think um, the ordinance is one that's well founded, but you carved an exception because you know, as people get to the end of their life, it's you know, we, we're always concerned about you know, not to name anyone specifically, but you name someone in your in your conversation who's had a public street named after them, and, and those folks, when they're that young in life, can do many things over the course of the remainder of their life to kind of disgrace themselves and disgrace. The community at large, and I think we're not talking about that kind of a situation here. Frankly, um, you know, what I think the opportunity is, and I was happy to support Mayor Robina and having a street name for him. I mean, he's been someone who I think probably the city's one of the city's best mayors, right, without a doubt, um, and someone who has, con has conducted himself, you know, for more than sixty plus years of his life honorably, and I had very little doubt that he would do anything but that. Right for the remaining time he's got with us on this earth, and I think the same is true for Dr. Price. So um, I think that's probably the main reason. You know, you no, just, no, it's you know, not. I completely yeah. sorry, okay. I'm going to interrupt you because I completely agree okay. with everything you're saying. Yeah, it's just best practices, right? And um, it's I don't I have no concern that that uh, this person will do anything in their life to reflect poorly on themselves or the city. Yeah, it's just best practices. Understood. And that's 
I think, uh, any other comments? I'd like to say something. Okay, yes, I, go ahead. I think that I've, I've given comments on this enough times that it would be repetitive for me to say the same thing again. So I'll just leave it there. Okay. Commissioner Corey. We need four, right? We do. So I, it doesn't seem like we're going to have it. But, you know, I think I, I've been so hoping to find a way to kind of bring us to a consensus <laughs> on this. But, but I'm sure you'll Sometimes. see this again, Commissioner Corey, because this no, is the third or fourth time. Third so third maybe time. in a month. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's, we've never voted on it before. Okay. And I was really out of an attempt to kind of find a path to, to bring it forward and, and have, you know, uh, a solution where we could all kind of rally around an idea. But, you know, well, yes, sir. Would it, would it be wise to adopt the modification that Commissioner Liebman suggested that the park be named at an, an appropriate time? Mcbrex. Yes, I, I, I haven't heard that he's willing to do that, but I, was, I wanted to. If he's open to that, then I'm certainly yeah, open fine, to modification. But not this, I really believe that this area was, and there's several other naming options. I really believe that this area was acquired to create affordable housing. I mean, that so was it's more intent. that it you don't CRA support money. this area as a park than the naming of. Well, the park. I, I have two. I mean, I said so. The, we really should look at the item separately, and I did. I looked at independently. So independent, the first item we discussed. That works procedurally, but it's related because we already voted on it. I have an issue with all these parks, you know, adjacent to one another. Right. And then this was acquired with monies, and we can look that up, and then you may want to refer to Mr. McCants. But a lot of times there were grant monies. I don't know what the case was here, but it, it was, you can even argue it was grant because it was CRA money. Half that money came from the county. It was acquired, and we discussed it up here countless times. We were finally able to get Madison Square done with the sole purpose of creating affordable housing. So I understand there's a lot more affordable housing product now, but the demands are also much higher now than they were before. So um, I, uh, maybe there's another way to approach that, stay true to the neighborhood, <coughs> because there are concerns with, with Stomy Park and right, gentrifying the neighborhood. But I believe that that should be affordable housing, because that was the intent of the choir. Yes, sir. Sorry. But in the naming, it, you're right, you can name it today, but it's such at the appropriate time, it'll take the actual placard, and, but that would be a different site or. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, I think, I think I, complex. I, again, I think. Or you, you can know, my, wait seven months. My, 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 so what, what, if, what if the CRA, because I looked at the original drawings, and the CRA had affordable housing with green space? in that spot. If the drawings show that, is that something you would be a member so, of? So, well, there was, well, a couple things. So that was Mario, I hope I'm getting his name, Vigilini, Vigilini, Vitalini. He is a local architect. Um, never approved, it was just discussed as an option, and that was in response to a different affordable housing project and preserving as many mango trees as possible. So I, if I recall correctly, some of them were even at an angle to preserve the, the housing trees. Now, I don't think you can build a, um, an affordable housing product as a townhouse. I just don't think the market would support that. So um, I think to make an appropriate affordable housing product, it would have to be a, a denser pro uh, product. I don't know how many more units we're gonna fit in a 10,000 square foot lot that we would deem green space. So it's not, it's, we're talking about a small space anyway, right? Like whether we make affordable housing or not, have enough, we've had, I mean, 
I, I believe that we've had projects come to us where we're going to have small affordable housing where we can incorporate a green space there. So it's it's to the will of the commission, but I mean, anything's possible. I mean, whether it's small, whether it's three stories, seven stories, we're not designated that big in that area, more residential, maybe town, I don't even know if it's designated right now townhouses. Yeah, it's not. It's Let me not. Sorry, sorry. Four. I mean, right. what happened to the, the area in front of, um, in, in front of uh, Madison Square, the city owns, next to Family Dollar, the original subject this area. Is, I believe this is the property we're t you're talking about. No. This is right next to the Dollar. This is right next to Family Dollar. It's Caddy Corner, Family Dollar. No, there's um, in front of the, the convenience you're store. You're talking on the, on the, where we do east, the, on the, on the east side? Right, where we do the tree lighting ceremony. That was the original subject property. That you wanted to name? No, no, that was it's it's I've always no, it's, identi it's always been this one. Yeah, it's never the, been the, the owners of that are Kerry Johnson, and then the other lot is. So, so look, I think it's it. Think you know, look, I, I I respect your opinion. I respect your perspective on the item. Um, you know, I've kind of tried to keep kicking this can down the road to see if we could get to some consensus on it. It's hoping we can meet in the middle with a plan that will honor the the perspective and plan of the CRA. But still allow us the opportunity to create a green space that could eventually, hopefully, in the future, if the family, if that's the will of the family, allow us to tie it to a historically designated property that could become part of, the, you know, the patrimony of of the city, um, you know, akin to Americal, right? Our own our own George Merrick and Marshall Williamson for that neighborhood. Um, you know, it's, it's your prerogative to support it or not. I think at this point, I'd just like to vote it up or down, and we can figure out where we go from here. You don't want to consider doing what Commissioner Liebman did with Julio Robina. Uh, I, what I'm what I'm hearing from Commissioner Liebman is he just doesn't think this is a, a, a spot that's worth preserving as a park. But, but you already voted it through him. But w so, we, so we did. Already did it. So Vice Mayor, we, we did. But would you support the item that way? Just curious. That would it. I think it's worth a conversation. I'm open to that conversation. I just didn't think he, I didn't think uh, Commissioner okay, Liebman was. Okay, you know, Vice Mayor, if you yeah. four, give her credit for being the mediator. <laughs> there already is a park as of no, 10, I, 15 minutes ago. I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just asking. Yeah. That, that only requires a resolution to turn into a park? No, all, all we've done right, all we've done so far is, is authorize the changing of the plat. So we can, what we file with Miami-Dade County, we'll, we'll cut it into two pieces and that that will be designated as a park on the plat. For, for the flat I was surprised with the resolution, not an ordinance. There may have to be future steps to do Yes, there'll be future steps. They'll have to actually designate a park. Correct. Yes. yes. Yeah, I, as long as we give credit to the vice mayor for the uh, for the compromise, yeah, I'll, uh, it's already a park, so it's out of my hands, so I'll support that. Okay, so the, so the, the future. So the modification would be we would identify this as a site that we name in honor of the former mayor, but that would take effect posthumously. As we did with Mayor Robina. Yes. Okay, I'll accept the modification. Again, I have to honor my ordinance. No, I'll accept the modification. Okay. As proposed by the vice mayor. Is there any objection to the the second by the seconder? No objection. Okay. I'll say with that, Madam Clerk. Any further comments? No. Okay. Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll, please. I need a motion. The motion was to uh, name the park in honor of uh, Dr. Price. The modification was that it becomes a posthumous naming as opposed to a naming while she's alive. I moved that oh. initially over the original motion. Second it. You know, I thought we had Commissioner Corey as a, oh, sorry, Commissioner Kai as a second originally. Sorry, I didn't. Oh. So, yes, I'm second. Sorry. 
sorry? You may want to ask Dr. Fox if she's interested in applications for staying. Well, I mean. I, I, have, a, I have a question. Yes, you, you said posthumously? Yeah, so, the, so basically we are essentially, we are essentially naming the park, but the, the name will be uh, become public posthumously. I'm not going anywhere, and I would not accept a posthumous designation. Uh, I will say this, I would not, I, you know, I want you to call the question on the original resolution, vote it up or down, just call a question. I will say this to you, people who are in affordable housing also like parks, uh, <laughs> green space, not just concrete. And that could be a picnic table or whatever in that small space, but I do not accept the modification. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still in the game. You're going to see me here. So I thank you for the posthumous, but I'm not going anywhere. So I, I, don't, I don't agree with that at all. If you would call the question on the original resolution, vote it up or down. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Okay. Um, I remove my motion. You withdraw your second? I withdraw my second. Okay, then I'll withdraw my motion and I'll just move the item as presented. Second. So I have a motion to adopt the item as presented by myself with a second by Commissioner Corey. Yes, sir. And the other thing I want to say is yes. people enjoy parks equally. And the whole point is there's plenty of park space there yeah. already, regardless of affordable housing. I never made any comment or suggestion that affordable housing shouldn't have park space. I don't think you did. Right. And okay, I and I think you. that and I think that space, I'll say this, that space should be enjoyed by people who live there currently. And frankly we do a I don't think we do a, a service to the neighborhood with the way we keep it, which is another reason why I want to surplus a portion and keep a portion that I think we can have, you know reasonably manage. So that was another motivation. I just didn't want to have to throw that out there. Um, Okay. Okay. With the item as currently possible, we have a motion by myself, a second by Commissioner Corey. Madam Clerk, if you can call the roll, please. Yes. Commissioner Calle? Yes. Commissioner Corey? Yes. Commissioner Lehman? No. Vice Mayor Bonice? No. Mayor Fernandez? Yes. Item fails. Three okay. Three. And I thank you for your willingness to consider the modification. Thank you for coming. By the way, yes. On, I want on to the thank those of you who voted yes to celebrate the only melanated mayor. <laughs> in the city probably will never be another one. Uh, I'm looking at the commission. So I want to thank you, Mayor, for the resolution. Thank you, Commissioner Corey. Thank you, Commissioner Kyrie. And thank you, those of you who voted no, and one of whom I supported and helped elect. <laughs> so again, I will say this, people who live in affordable housing, also like park space. I don't care how small. You know, what you presented here, that was a very small space. And so <laughs> if you don't even want a very small space to honor the historic event that happened in this city, that's okay. I'm good. And you will still see me participating. I want to still, you, you have to deal with the history. Whether you want to vote that up or down, you cannot <laughs> deny the history. 
Madam Mayor, thank you for your comments. And just for the thank record, I, I'd say that we're all melanated just to different okay. degrees. So thank we're you. All melanated. <laughs> may I say something? Thank you. May I say something? You may, you may. I think that we are a community of very many people, very different people, none of us any more or less than the rest. I agree with that comment, thank you. Uh, Mr. Riverall, if you can give us your presentation on parking. I believe that's the only item left other than the uh, capital presentation. You wanna do capital first? Wanna do capital first? Okay. That way we can get over them. I don't think it needs to be very long. I wouldn't want it to be more than five to six minutes. Let's just take up Mr. Masvidal, who's waiting here patiently, I, and then we sorry, can. Sorry, yeah. you know, I mean, I honest, I felt that some of it was directed toward me. I just want to share a fact with the commission. Okay. I appointed Dr. Price to the CRA board. I put her in a position of leadership to lead her community. These are facts, and she quit. She quit. I know. I she think quit the opportunity to lead her community. I think, and that, that's just a fact. It's not personal. Okay. Can take it how you want. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Possible, thank you for your preparing. And I'm not treating her. The argument is I'm treating her differently. I'm treating her differently than anyone else. Your microphone. Your microphone's off. I'm treating her differently than anyone else. The precedent was set with the most successful mayor. Let's 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 let's, let's move on since we've already kind of you've made the point I think articulately before and that we understand where your what your position is. It's been nothing if not consistent. Um, Mr. Mayor, in transitioning, um, <clears throat> you had asked staff uh, to uh, prepare uh, some information as it relates to uh, general obligation bonds and, and uh, how bonds work, and then uh, bring it into South Miami reference as it relates to our current debt. And then, um, so you'll hear from uh, Sergio Masvidal from PFM, our financial advisor, and our CFO, Alfredo Riverall. Also in your packet, um, part of what you tasked us to do is just share some ideas of things that uh, the city may uh, borrow for as it relates to, to, to a GOB. Uh, that was put together, obviously, um, this exercise uh, did not include a meeting with each of you and obtaining that information and, and more elaborate. It was just you know bringing ideas forward of things that we could finance over a period of time um, that would be either purchases or improvements to infrastructure. So those are the ideas and the lists uh, that you see in your packet. So bringing this together is basically a, how do bonds work? What is our current status you know, from a debt standpoint? And then those ideas for the purposes of uh, this commission beginning to have some discussion as it relates to uh, uh, potentially any borrowing, if you will. Um, and so obviously there would be a lot more work to do uh, if that's the will of the commission. So uh, thank you, Sergio, for, for being here tonight. And Sergio will take you through portions of the presentation. And Alfredo will also jump in and certainly will be available for any questions. And, and just by way of brief introduction before you, I, I recognize you, sir. Um, spent a couple of days in Tallahassee last year, last week following up on our priorities. Um, one of the things I hear consistently is we need to figure out ways to come up with more matching dollars. This year's budget is pretty healthy still. You've got four projects that are alive in the budget process. They're going to go to conference this weekend. Um, we're well positioned, you know, right now on both sides. But um, the conversation becomes easier, particularly next year as the budget's going to get tighter, certainly. If we are thinking of ways that we can provide more matching dollars, and particularly some of the projects that we have, uh, most notably our culvert and bridge project, you know, our septic to sewer project, we have very de minimis local match. And so positioning ourselves to have success, be it at the state, federal, 
you know, the county level, if there's a conversation for the authorization of a GOB on a countywide basis, thinking about how we can also bring some dollars to bear, we'll open up some funding opportunities that we can leverage our dollars with other people's money, which I think is always our goal. So that was the other part of my motivation for bringing this discussion item. I appreciate you guys giving me the time or giving us the time to talk about it. And Mr. Masvidal, with that, you're recognized. Thank you, Mr. Mayor, Commissioners. Good evening, Sergio Masvidal, CFM Financial Advisors. Uh, I have a seven minute, more or less, version of this, or I can do it in 45 minutes, so. Seven minutes, yes. yes. I there thought that go. would be the yeah. answer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll go with that route. We can, we can so, get an ab workout in the same time. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so you all saved me for last. Uh, I'll introduce you to the wonderful world of municipal finance here and try not to put you to sleep. Um, general obligation bonds, as the name implies, effectively is the full faith and credit of the city. That is the pledge for these bonds. What does that mean? It's repaid through a ad valorem tax, a dedicated tax millage. It doesn't count importantly against the 10 mil cap that there is in the operating uh, millage. It's also the only way to authorize a general obligation bond is through a citywide voter referendum um, that has to occur as well. So the residents have a choice in funding these projects or not. One really important characteristic of not just general obligation bonds, but any bond in, in that, for that matter, is that it's not borne by, you know, the project that you are funding is enjoyed by this generation and generations to come forward. And those generations all kind of share equally in paying back this debt service on these bonds. So there's what we call generational equity in this, in this type of bond. There's a number of steps um, regulated by state statutes that are needed to, that are required in order to issue general obligation bonds. And that really starts here at your commission level. And that starts with developing the project list. What projects do you want to fund with these, with these bonds? That project list uh, can be vetted. There's community education. There's community outreach that goes forward. I think the manager spoke about a long list of projects. We'll talk about a subset of those later. Those projects are, you know, finalized. The project list is authorized by you all. It's a scope, general projects, whether it's uh, administrative facilities, parks and recreation, public safety, those are the kind of large buckets, you know, in, in general obligation bonds. Uh, the commission also from there, from that point, decides by, by ordinance, I believe, to authorize the referendum and also the specific ballot language that goes in that referendum. So the ballot language, again, by state statute, it's um, very restricted. There's a number of, there's a word limitation. There's words that need to be in that ballot language, but that all goes forward in that ordinance that gets approved by this commission before it goes to the, to the voters. Finally, there's that educational outreach that I spoke about. That's a really important part of a GOB, a GO General Obligation Bonds Program. That educational outreach is when you would bring your constituents, the residents, the citizens of the city to discuss the projects. They understand kind of what projects are being funded, what categories are being funded, and then uh, give them an estimate of what the cost would be to, those, to the residents. We went a little bit more in depth on the timing and I don't wanna go line by line here, but just suffice to say, today's your starting point. We, we said April, you finalize your project list. It takes about a year from the time that you start this process to when you would actually issue your first series of bonds and have your first funding in the bank ready to deploy for projects or matching funds for other projects. Credit rating process, again, we'll get more in depth here if we decide to, if the city and the commission decides to move forward, but the credit rating process uh, is a very important step. You're talking about a publicly offered uh, debt instrument, goes to the investor community, market participants, 
the city right now does not have a public credit rating. However, given our internal models that we've run and, and Alfredo's familiar with these, we would expect you're a, a very high rating AA category, which is a very strong rating and that effectively means lower borrowing costs to the city. Um, I think this is part of the punchline you'll want to see. So I bold-faced print here, only for purposes of discussion, we assumed a 50, a $50 million uh, bond referendum. This table shows if you were to issue all $50 million in one single series of bonds, which is, I'll, I'll preface that with saying, or I'll say that now, it's very unlikely you're going to issue $50 million at once. It's just capital program would become unwieldy. There's no way you can deploy that much capital in the market. Um, you know, construction contracts and procurement of what being what it is. In that case, which I would say is an uber aggressive schedule, one issuance, $50 million. For tax purposes, I'll also add, you need to spend those dollars uh, within three years. So they should be really shovel ready projects. In this case, we ran based on your current taxable values and a nominal, very modest growth, and I'll come back to this, I, I wanna make this point clear though, 3% growth rate to the tax rolls into the future. Um, it would be approximately, for the average homestead of property, about $300 a year. That would be the, the millage impact to the average homestead of property. Again, uh, one other thing I'll say is that really conservative interest rates here, we ran all these numbers at about 5% interest rate. If you were to ask me where we would go in the market today, you're probably at four and a quarter, maybe a little bit lower. That. So all these numbers are conservative, uber aggressive, one-time issuance of $50 million. That's a big chunk. I doubt that would, that's how it would ultimately play out. So we ran another scenario, which is what I still consider a very aggressive, kind of just split it in two, $50 million, you issue $25 million first. A couple years later, you come back and you issue the remaining $25 million. Um, Again, in this case, the average homestead of property pays about $275 a year. That's the new dedicated millage that would, that would be applied. I, I still think that's really aggressive. More than likely, you're talking about three or four bond issuances, just in my experience with other municipalities. That's how it plays out by the time you have the procurement done, your project's kind of finalized, the engineering study's done. It's, it's gonna take more time than that. One other important factor, I mentioned the 3% uh, growth rate that we applied to the overall taxable value of the city. We heard a lot about development. I know you all spent two hours earlier today talking about zoning changes and whatnot. I, I think I heard a thousand new units coming online. Anything you do to increase the overall tax base of the city will only reduce the numbers that we're talking about today. It'll reduce the burden on current residents, in other words. That tax base will be more spread out and the generational equity that we talked about, new residents move into the city, they start paying this millage, it actually reduces the burden on your current uh, tax base. One other thing with respect to timing, and I'll turn it over to Alfredo here quickly, is we do have some loans on the books now. Um, those loans are scheduled to, at least one of those, the 2011 loan, which I believe was for the parking garage. Um, that one is scheduled to roll off the books in 2027, your final payment. So. That may actually marry nicely with the issuance of general obligation bonds into the future. As this debt rolls off, um, you might be able to do things to reduce millage on one side as, this, as your millage comes online to your GOB. So Alfredo, do you wanna take it from here? Thank you. So um, just to give you a little bit, and I know you've heard this from when we did the budget this fiscal year, we present our debt service every year Currently, like Sergio was mentioning, we have uh, two current loans 
we have the 2011, which has a current interest rate of 4.55. And then we have the new uh, loan, the newest loan, let me not say new, but newest, which are both are just refinances. Um, they weren't the issuance of actual bonds or any debt, um, which comes due later in 2032. And that's at a very low interest rate. I want to say, I can't see from here, but 1.3. I tried making it bigger. I can't see, but it's, it's very low. Yeah, 1.327. Okay, so, so those are the only two loans that we currently have. Again, the last time they issued bonds here, and they weren't general obligation bonds, they were revenue bonds, it was in 2006. And that was for the parking garage. Um, so we've issued bonds since uh, the last ones that we've been refinancing in 2001 revenue bonds, 2002 revenue bonds, 2001 was for community center, 2002 was for parking garage, 2006 was parking garage to finish it. Um, other than that, we have had no debt. The debt that you see there are all refinance or refundings of previous debt, just because the market uh, called for the refi and it was beneficial for us, just like you would refinance a home if you had a better rate. Um, now, there's always a, a, a discussion, yep, of course. Our annual debt, service debt, is about a million dollars a year as you can see on the bottom. Sorry, I didn't have my mic on. The only thing I was gonna ask is the principal is very low. You should consider paying it off, I know, in this market we shouldn't because the rate's so low, right? But it doesn't say the interest rate. So I think the interest rate's the interest rate at the top of the screen. So we've got the tourist yeah. loan, it's four and, four oh, okay. and a half. Sorry, okay. And then the Chase loan, which is the, the biggest part of the balance, it looks like, am I correct? Is uh, four point, sorry, 1.327. Correct. So, so we're always looking at all times. We're looking to see if it's a better time to refinance with our idle cash. Right now, our returns are over right, 5%. Of course, of course. So there's no way I can stand here. I mean, I would love to pay it off, and we have the cash to pay it off, but right. it just you. doesn't make sense right. you know, at this point. Um, so that's just where we are in the interest market. And, and when we did some of the refinance, the reason the 2011 was never coupled into the refinance was because that's a taxable loan. That was, and it's right. also associated with the IRS, SEC situation, right, right. which makes it extremely tainted. And so it's just, it's always been in our best interest just to pay it off and get it off. <coughs> so again, our annual debt right now is a million dollars. That's what we're paying in debt service. So uh, there, there's always a question, how, what's our debt capacity? Well, Florida statute doesn't have any, any requirements on de debt capacity and our charter doesn't speak to it. Now we use the standard 15% of assessed value, which if you see, we can, we, in the, not something that we're subject to, but overall using that 15%, we can borrow up to 385 million, which is not something that I would advise. <laughs> don't, please, please don't tell this commission that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just bring up this millage chart. This is the 20, the most recent millage. Um, you can see where we are on it at 3.95, which I know this, this body knows very well considering that they adopted it. Um, as you can see, and I only bring this up as you can see with, you know, I'm not going up to the Pinecrest, which are the newer cities, but if you look at all the cities of the older generations, ours included, uh, we're pretty low. And that doesn't include, obviously we don't have a solid waste fee um, that other cities have. Well, there's two municipalities that don't charge solid waste and it's in, in incorporated within the uh, millage. We're one of them. Indian Creek is the other, which is a little bit different than our demographics and stuff. Mm -hmm. The city of Miami and Coral Gables include fire. And library in some cases. 
So there are some offsets on it, but the millage, the actual operating millage, 3.95 in comparison to the older cities that are with us is a, is a fairly uh, attractive millage rate. And I, I want to mention that is if, if, if I was to take out from the millage, how much would be our debt service, which I just mentioned to you was a million dollars. In theory, we can go to 3.5. And that would give, that would give $1 million in savings from the millage or from the operating ad valorem. Um, I mentioned that because the idea maybe is, uh, and I'm not saying that's, that, that, that is the way to go. That would be, a, it would be your decision and recommendation, but um, there is a possibility of lowering the millage and then having a general obligation, which is in essence another millage. And you can see there's other cities that have it and you'll see a column right here on the next to it where it shows debt where they have general obligations. So there is that op opportunity to lower the millage, the operating millage, and then with the general obligation bonds, help, uh, bonds help fund those capital projects that we currently use general fund to fund. So that's something just to, for consideration. And with that, um, in summary, I'll let Sergio finish up. Um, in summary, the general obligation. Well, I, I promised you seven minutes, so I'll, I'll cut it here. I mean, in summary, I think you saw the, the various punchlines here. I think 50 million using just as a round number, you see kind of the impact that would be to the average homeowner. Um, we think it's, it's very, very aggressive and very unlikely that you would issue all 50 at once. More than likely, that's going to happen over a number, you know, sequence of issuances, probably, you know, six years by the time the entire program is done. So that really helps to kind of stagger the impact to the homeowner. And as your existing debt rolls off, Alfredo mentioned one possible idea to kind of, you know, marry it all together. So with that, questions, comments, we'll yeah. speak to the one. Yeah, get, uh, yeah, I think we're going to have a few questions, undoubtedly. So let's move uh, right to left. You want to start, Commissioner Kaye? Sure. Um, when we do um, a general bond obligation, uh, general obligation bond, do we, the the majority for the vote uh, of the public, is it past 50%? Is it the super majority? It's, it's 50, 50, 50 plus. Yeah. 50 plus 50 one. Plus one. Um, can, you, can you talk real quickly about, and this is for the benefit of the public, but an obligation bond versus a revenue-based bond and what the different options are for us? Like, We've had revenue bonds here before. It looks like they've been fruitful. Um, can you talk about the differences for the public and for us, I guess? Sure, absolutely. So the general obligation bonds, as I mentioned, Avalorum, dedicated Avalorum millage, right? Full faith and credit of the city. It's going to be your highest credit quality. Typically, investors will um, prefer those just given the high credit quality. Um, revenue bonds are just an alternative vehicle where typically you have a specific revenue stream that backs that that bond is the pledge behind that bond. So if you think of kind of Miami-Dade County, let's let's use that as an example, they have water and sewer revenue bonds or solid waste fee revenue bonds or- Or in um, our case, we could take uh, the people's transportation tax- Correct. And bond that other states have done that to exactly. repave and rebuild streets. Exactly right. Yeah. So you can take a dedicated um, revenue source and pledge it. Something like the PPP surtax, you'd have to pledge that would, you can only bond projects that are transportation related. You know. So certain revenues have restrictions. You can do a, uh, what's a non-ad valorem bond, which basically pledges all of your non-ad valorem revenues, the entire basket of them. 
um, towards repayment of debt. That's not as strong a credit, but it, it's certainly done since George. It, it, would it be easy to do a study based on different revenue sources that the city may provide for you to give us a, a cap or a, a maximum value that we can borrow capacity based on a rev on capacity? capacity sorry. Sure, sure. That's easy, right? Yes. Okay. No more Mr. Corey. Thank yeah, you. I just had uh, two best practices questions. One, and I know this was just a sample, um, you have the 30-year term on it. A lot of times our budget committees, they want us to uh, have shorter terms so that the pay repayment doesn't outlast whatever the improvement is. Uh, is that something that you'd recommend if we were to engage in something like this? Or It, it will be required uh, okay. for the useful life of your asset to not exceed the bond issue. Okay. So yes, I, 30 years is pretty standard. Typically, the types of projects that you talk about funding have a useful life that well exceeds that. But certainly, if the useful life of some of these projects were shorter, if it was equipment or other projects like that, we'd really have to dig down into the project list and exactly what's being funded at the time of each tranche. You may have one tranche that's 30 years. You may do another one that's 20 years. So, But absolutely, that's a good question. All right, great. And then another uh, uh, component that we often put into our decision-making here is relative to what other cities have done as well. And I don't know if there's a way we might be able to see other cities in the type of bonds they've they've gone through with and as well they've had to have gotten past um which is a consideration as well for us is you know oh sorry sure that's that's absolutely we can we can look at that I, there were there was a slide in here that showed kind of the different geo bonds that, that are out there i can tell you i can rattle off just the ones i remember from the last few years i mean city of miami has a geo bond out there or ad valorem bond City of Doral, very recent. Yeah, here's here's the list. So you can see Homestead has one, Miami Shores has one, Golden Beach, we worked on that one, North Bay Village, we worked on that one, Miami Gardens, we worked on that one, that was for the City Hall. Doral, we worked on that one as well. Um, yeah, so we and worked on all those except for Homestead. Yeah, and, and to get and to get an idea of the total amount, obviously, we would just use that percentage to whatever the the, yeah. the total, I'm sorry, the total amount of their actual uh, geo referral. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can give you each of those numbers. I, right. I have them. Yeah, I wasn't going to try and reverse engineer it from the, this list. Is there? I'd be impressed if you did that right yeah. there on the day. Right. And just, just to, I mean, just an important point factually is um, the debt service millage rate is not a static rate. It, it adjusts every every year to basically make sure you're just paying back the required debt service. So if you see Avalorum growth, and your tax rules, you're going to see that uh, debt service millage amount actually reduce. And so you'll lose capacity every year, right. theoretically. Right. Commissioner Lieben, do you have any questions? All right, thank you. Um, uh, th thank you, Mayor. Uh, Mr. City Manager, will you walk us through the, the process? Again, first, we'd have to pass an item on the dais, then it would have to go to referendum, then it would come back to the yeah, we, we, we have a slide on that. If, oh. if you could go back to the slide on the timetable, uh, Sergio, I sort of put this together to, okay. to uh, assuming that this commission wanted to do a referendum in November of 2024, uh, this would be the schedule leading up to it. And, and obviously, there would be a lot of work that we would have to do based on priorities, you know, your priorities, desires, do more homework. Some of the numbers that have been attached to projects have been, like, really sort of ballpark calculations. The city has not really been in this mode of, of putting together and or costing out projects necessarily. So so the work leading up to this item 
um, is really you know very very loose I, I would say in some cases so <coughs> from uh, ordinances uh, to putting something on the ballot you know, the city itself uh, you know has the ability to inform and educate you can't advocate um, and I certainly have been part of those efforts in other cities before um, and I think it's important and 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 really up up to that point you know you're waiting for the voters to approve or not and you haven't issued any debt, right? I mean, at that point, you're, you're waiting for a referendum. Post-referendum uh, is when you actually uh, then have, you know, ordinances and resolutions that authorize the debt, and then obviously they would structure uh, the debt in the best way possible, depending on how we would want to cycle that revenue. You know, when do we need the revenue? How much? Um, and as Sergio mentioned, you know, one, one tranche of whatever amount it is, whether it's 20, 30 million, 50 million, it's probably unlikely. Um, and, and uh, you know, that has to be cycled in with our ability to execute those projects. So, sorry, if I can just build on or, that, or, on your, on your or question, or if I may, to the, to the city attorney and maybe to Sergio. It, you know, here we're assuming a general obligation sale of March of 2025. We're not required to go to market right away after we have the authorization. So for what period legally does the voter authorization, authorization last? Does it last for the duration of the total amount of debt that the public is authorized, or is there a time limit associated with that voter, voter approval? Yeah, I, I don't have the answer to that question. Okay, I don't know if Serge, if you have a- To the best of my knowledge, there is no time limit. It's okay. up until you- Exhaust the capacity. The that's, that's what I thought, but not I just to wanted to- my knowledge, not a okay. legal So I, I just say that to the board because, well, we're gonna go to the public and ask, quite honestly, as we retire debt, we may, give it, we may, we may wait to time the market, right? So we can do some of the upfront leg, leg work pass uh, what it's a TEFRA notice that allows us to kind of spend money that we've been in seek reimbursement, a TEFRA notice, reimbursement, reimbursement for project costs, right? But then only go to market when we know that we've, for example, in 2027, we know we're gonna have additional debt service capacity. So we don't have to, we can try to balance, my goal would be to try to balance, you know, a millage rate reduction and recapture that capacity so that at least in terms of the rate, the effect is the same to property owners. Uh, and and uh, given that timeline, that one of the one of the uh, the debts that are that are older, you know, may have all practically been retired by then, Correct. you know, without paying it down early. Yeah. Um, uh, the second debt would would require paying paying that debt down, um, but then you end up with that sort of neutral position, if you will, depending on how much debt you issue. You've created the capacity again by by the the Doral one is is a, a pretty recent one, and that's uh, was 150 million dollar parks bond program of which you're building facilities with with that revenue um, that's probably one of the latest ones that I remember more recent ones Commissioner Lee be recognized sorry Go ahead, sir. sorry thank you so just to summarize in terms of the Commission's involvement hypothetically item passes uh, for the Commission requires four votes then it would go to the next ballot or the Commission can choose you know a November ballot let's say so more representative ballot um, well, here we have it here, and then after that, it has to pass. Well, sorry, it would have to pass by 50 plus percent, mm -hmm. and then it would come back to the commission. Okay. okay. Again, my next question. To take you, Mayor, but I know you've been championing this, or at least speaking about this. How much? What number are you thinking about, and what would that money be used for? Because here it's a hypothetical, and is this in the city yeah. manager's defense? And as he mentioned, I just want to say this. This was put together quickly, and he asked department heads, is that fair to say, Mr. Manager, department heads for ideas? But I know this is coming from you, Mayor, so are you, 
If you just give me an idea of how much you're thinking about borrowing and what that money would be used for. I don't have an, I don't have an okay. amount. I mean, I want to do something that we can manage responsibly. That gives us the opportunity to pursue other dollars, right, at other levels, as I mentioned to start. Um, you know, there's some projects on this list that I would kind of put in the general purchase deferred maintenance category. I really don't want to do a lot of that. You know, what I, what I think we want to do is, you know, we can do a combination of a general obligation bond, some revenue bonds. Maybe we want to we want to bond our PTP revenues to help bridge the gap on some of the culvert and street replacements to the extent that that's a project that's authorized or accelerate some landscape and street safe, streetscape improvements as opposed to doing pay-as-you-go. But I think we're talking about big-ticket things, uh, facilities, you know, replacement of bridges, you know, the kinds of things that escape our ability to fund on a, on a pay-as-you-go basis effectively. If I can have um, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I think that the city, in our vision, is planned to grow a lot over the next, you know, 10 to 20 years. So I think thinking about the city and, and the amount of people that we're going to have, whether it's annexation, whether it's the amount of units that we're adding or whatnot, the infrastructure that we currently have, whether it's parks, whether it's the current gym, whether it's current whatever, I think we need to look at expanding that, whether it's by more more real estate uh, that we can acquire, and this would be an avenue that we can probably do that. So, you know, not only is it, you know, fixing some of the issues that we see on these, these lists, but it's really thinking about investing into the city moving forward, which would be highly beneficial for us. You know, Commissioner Lieben, you know, Screedscape enhancements for the town center, even replacement facilities here, having this authorization of our, in our pocket allows us to think about whether, you know, we want to max out the development envelope on this footprint or whether we want to take a combination of proceeds, you know, and some indebtedness to get a product that the, pro the, the public is more comfortable with. I think it just kind of opens up a whole suite of opportunities. My concern is also, given what, you know, Mr. Riverall said, Right now, we're getting really good returns on our cash for very safe investment instruments. Debt, you know, there's kind of an inverse curve there with the debt is actually cheaper than what our cash is generating. You know, so I think from a cash management perspective, keeping more cash on hand, earning better returns and borrowing other people's money at, you know, long-term rates that are below our current cash returns is just a responsible way to manage our money. And so I think that's why I wanted to kind of introduce the conversation. Well, I'd say, Responsible. This is city money. It's public money. No, they're going to they're going to prove it or not. There's a so. risk correlation yeah. and so forth. But so, I mean, what I just heard is is borrow money to acquire more real estate. I mean, we have real I think, estate. I think just if, I, if I may on that point, because I had a conversation with the city attorney on this point. Um, I don't. Would you want to jump into this issue? There's a there's a legal issue in our charter. I think that we should be aware of as we kind of have the conversation. Yes. Right. Yes. So, yeah, it always is. so there, is, there is a provision that says that, that the, the bonds, in your charter, you have a provision that says you can only, um, uh, you can only issue bonds uh, that are payable from, the, from ad valorem taxation, such as a GO bonds. Um, it can only be to finance or refinance capital projects. When we first read that, we, you know, the, there was the initial reaction of, okay, I don't think acquisition is involved in that, but we have since, we feel a lot more comfortable after speaking with Mr. Riverall and looking at your budget, uh, acquisition is is acquisition of projects for a, a public purpose is included within that within that ambit. So we feel comfortable with that. So when I called you, we were not comfortable with. Okay. That. But we've so since become. Maybe there's not an issue. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to throw out some other 
funding uh, yeah. mechanisms. But before before you get into the project list, if I may, are there questions about the process? Well, not even, no, not even. I'm not going to get on the project list. Oh, okay, no problem. Yes, okay, sorry, just yeah. Yeah. when I say funding mechanisms, other way, sure. ways to raise capital. So one is, um, again, and I, I mentioned this to the um, the mayor earlier that I believe Sunset Place is going to be the bit more. I believe it, but the biggest driver, and but and everyone, all six candidates, referring you know half the candidates were elected. There were two candidates in each seat. I say this all the time. Carol got it right when they said all six candidates were were uh, supportive of revitalizing our commercial area. Well, there's still a, a you know we need a stopgap. There's at least a five-year window in between today and Sunset Place, and that's one of the reasons I've been championing placemaking. I believe. And by the way, this isn't because of a certain proposal or just came up. When I ran for office, we can tell you about debates we have when I was running as prior to elected saying we need a, uh, a hotel in our, in our commercial area. I don't think anything will, in the interim, will drive business like a um, like hotel that and, and placemaking. We have an opportunity on the surface parking lot to preserve the amount of parking, generate revenue, sell the air rights. Um, to a product in a hotel where people are going to frequent the retailers and frequent the uh, the restaurants that would generate seven to nine million dollars. We just spoke about selling the Marshall Williamson lot. It's not a large lot. It's affordable. But there has to be a couple million dollars in there. We're talking about redeveloping this site. Can do some, you know, some back of the napkin math, and um, right there's. Obviously, if this ballot item passes, we'll do a lease. Otherwise, we'll have to consider a sale. But after all the improvements are paid for, which first and foremost will be a new city hall, a new police station, the library is a, a variable, um, you know, there should absolutely be excess. Um, there was, in the previous proposal, uh, building costs have appreciated, but so have, uh, have it be land costs have appreciated even more, especially th this location. So um, we're talking about a higher density as well. And if it's a lease, we can bond that money and take that money up front, or we could take it on the front end, let's say, over a short time horizon. Um, there's a public works lease, which we haven't accounted for yet. That could also be bonded. Is that a 20-year lease? I don't recall. Oh, yes, but remember, it's still, I would say that's just I know, not, that's not, not revenue to the bank yet. But right, we'll, 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 yes. 100% accurate. And then there's the inspection site, and there's an argument, don't sell a city asset. That thing sat, not this commission, not this administration, but it was in the CRA, an area where we were charged with attracting investment, and we contributed to slum and blight. I mean, the old structure was there, the champion raising the structure and so forth, but we've been sitting on that site for, I don't know, 35 years. If you're gonna do something with it, we should have done something. Um, so we could sell that site or lease that site and then bond it. My point is that there are other funding mechanisms. And then I'm going to put you on the spot, Mayor, so I'm going to apologize to you. But your advertising right, champion this campaign, as you said earlier, we appreciate that for the, uh, you know, to go beyond a 50-year lease to make this city a new city hall a viable option. But one of the things you're advertising is to lower taxes. So I. I I just really don't understand that. We're advertising low taxes, but at the same time, we're saying we need to go out and borrow money. I just want to 
Yeah, no, I think I think the easy way to explain it is, you know, as I've talked to Mr. Overall, the manager, this is not intended to result in a, a millage rate increase, right? As we ratchet down the millage, right, we want to capture capacity on the debt service side. And so at the end of the day, you, you, we, we, you know, I think, look, we've got a lot of um, deferred needs. I mean, I think a lot of what's on the list is our deferred project needs. We're not... Um, that we just haven't taken advantage of. And so I think we can we can do these things and not put it all on the shoulders of the taxpayers. I mean, you know, Ms. Fisher's right. We can redevelop this as a single purpose public space, but that's gonna cost money, right? Part of the reason we're pursuing a, a public-private partnership is because we're trying to basically monetize some of the value of the dirt. But we could ask the public to issue debt, right? And pay for the, the full cost of the improvements, the replacement improvements. That's an option. I don't think that's an option that would necessarily succeed, right, if we put it on the ballot. But for for these other things that we've got, we where I think we have emerging needs, right? We've got aging bridges, we've got aging culverts, right? We really don't have a, a predictable pot of money, right, to make those investments as they rise. And I struggle to defend our inability to do things, right, because we just haven't planned for the long term. And so I just think it's part of long term planning. Um, you know, as we talk about the budget going into the next fiscal year, I think we should be talking about, you know, when we lower the millage, do we want to authorize, seek authorization for a certain amount of debt? I'm not saying we're going to go to market in March of 2025, but we have that opportunity, right? And we can make advances to reduce the overall rate, uh, but maybe keep some of it, the ability to keep some of that in reserve by going to market and borrowing to meet needs, right? It would have been nice to have an authorized bond when we discovered that that bridge on 63rd Court was, you know, was in, in in poor shape, right? Because we could have reprioritized some projects or and you know set aside a couple million dollars to do the expense as opposed to have to go hat in hand to the legislature and try to piecemeal together 250, 400 thousand dollars plus all the design costs that we're outlaying uh, and not be able to respond to those emerging needs because we just haven't done an assessment of what the condition of our infrastructure is. So I think we're doing that analysis on the roadways. We probably need to do it with respect to facilities. I think Commissioner Guy is right. As we grow, we're going to need additional facilities, parks, et cetera. Um, I think a conversation about how we're going to pay for it, right, which is always a question we've had. People have spent money designing improvements. We had that conversation in the context of placemaking. I think we need to be prepared to understand what it's going to mean and how we budget all that as we kind of set priorities for the next fiscal year. Yeah, sorry, I'll go back to, I still don't understand why we're advertising lowering taxes if we're short on money. We're, I, well, I mean, I could ask you the question, why did you want to lower the millage rate oh, further we, last year? Yeah, oh, yeah, so I mean, I think it's... No, but I, I stand, but I'm not looking to borrow money. You follow me? I'm just asking even, you. I, I, two ideas do not always, two ideas can coexist and both can be true. And so I don't think that, I think you can lower the millage and borrow money and do it in a way that doesn't add to the net burden on taxpayers. I don't think that's I don't think that's an untrue statement, and I stand by it. Commissioner Corey, I want to. It's a little strange, but I actually want to take this opportunity to uh, talk to the vice mayor because we've had discussions in the past about 
our speed to be able to keep up with our downtown developing and people coming into the downtown. This is the reason the, the mayor wanted to leave me for last because he thinks I'm the bomb, but maybe not. No, I don't think you're the bomb. <laughs> maybe no, not. but I was, I was curious because you've always said, you know, we're just going to have to wait, right? We're going to have to wait for the tax money to come in from development in the downtown. And I was just curious, after hearing this, does it give you any excitement about potentially keeping up with that development? In or the yours, ma'am. Oh, the floor is mine now. Okay, here's here's what I think. I'm going to tackle that second because I want to talk about what was presented first and how I feel about it. Um, I've been very vocal that it worries me to go out for a bond simply because... Oh, I'm trying to think of a nice way. Um... Some of us are very fiscally conservative, and some of us, in my estimation, are not in any way, shape, or form that I consider acceptable. And so when we have a conversation about a bond, in my mind, in the, the views that we've all expressed as a group of five, I feel like it would be the same as getting a pickup truck, throwing money in the back and starting to drive. <coughs> that money will go flying out the back of the truck and never to be seen again. At the same time, and it's interesting you said two things can be true at the same time. At the same time, I understand by looking at our city that we've neglected our city for many, many, many years. And Kudos to you being the, in my estimation, the only person that was fighting that tide because the things that we do see were mostly, if not completely, sponsored by Commissioner Liebman. And I think that bears mentioning because if not, we'd be even further behind than we are now. When I look at a list of possibles, and I understand it's, it's just something that we're, we're throwing out there so we get an idea of what it could possibly look like, there is only one thing that I would consider even having a conversation about getting a bond for, and that would be placemaking. We had Plus Serbia sit there last commission meeting and say that doing the entire placemaking thing that we would be paying them a million dollars for would probably be in the neighborhood of about 25 to $30 million. And we've all made a commitment, all of us, to putting that area first, and we haven't done that. That has not manifested. Other things have, that has not. And I think anybody who says any different is not being real. We've taken a lot of money and moved it around and for whatever reason, whether it's a park, a street, a culvert, a traffic circle. We have not earmarked, in my opinion, the money that we need to even get started in downtown. So if we were to go out for any kind of bond in for me, it would have to be extremely streamlined in the sense of what it would be, how much we would get it for, and how we imagined paying it back. Because if not, I can see the conversation starting as, yeah, yeah, we want you know $30 million for placemaking. Oh, the culvert. We're going to take a million dollars out of there. Now we have 29. Tomorrow it's going to be something else and something else and something else. Because as we know, like I said and we've discussed, we are running way behind the curve here. But I refuse 
to even have a conversation about a bond that hits general items that we can continue to fight for in other ways. If you're saying, hey, let's leverage money, show me the money, honey. That's all I have to say about that. If it's not 100% not placemaking centric, I don't wanna have a conversation on it because that is what we've said is our number one priority and the rest of city business, we could try to have a conversation, find money, blah, 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 blah for those things. So that's so I, I mean, I think I, answer. Yeah, I, I think it's, uh, look, I, th I think I share the sentiment. I think there's a lot of stuff on this list. You know, I don't, I don't. No, and in fairness, in fairness, we asked, you know, when, when this was put together. Correct, it's the just universe. the universe. So I think, you know, but I, just to give an example, like why, you know, I would not be a fan of including an infield groomer, right? That's something we could pay for on a pay-as-you-go basis. But I think if we're, you know, but certainly hardscape improvements like the ones you're talking about are something that kind of exceed our immediate reach, right? I, I will say, take $30 million, which is the figure that may have been said at that meeting, we have to recognize that 30% of that's gonna be built by other people, right? You know, because, you know, Cervidia and Sunset Place are gonna do a portion of Sunset. Other development's gonna do a portion of uh, the city center. The development here is gonna rebuild the, you know, the sections near Sunset as well. So that number's probably smaller. When you start thinking about what we would ultimately have to directly invest, because hopefully we're leveraging the redevelopment to kind of get a streetscape that's consistent with the goals and aesthetic that we want, right? But um, no, I think it should be, in my mind, this has always been about, you know, hard capital improvements, right? And, and in my mind, it's, yeah. it's none of those things. It's okay. literally placemaking. And if we are saying so-and-so will pay for this and so-and-so and so-and-so, I think that's fabulous. Nothing makes me happier. But then that means that we're not spending that money. Not we're spending that money on something. So how would we, in your mind, if aside from placemaking, how would we deal with, you know, we know we've got one culvert that's already functionally uh, unsound. You've got two others that we're gonna inspect that are the same age and probably have similar deficiencies. Where do we come up with the revenues to, now, to, to basically replace those? those? Those are assets that are not sexy assets that we may or may not be able to go and do a revenue bond for, but why, you know, why would you foreclose that opportunity to kind of be able to deal with those things that we know that we should have been probably putting a money, you know, if we were managing it for our household, we know the roof last 10 years, you should set aside, have a sinking fund where you kind of put money aside to replace those things. We, we haven't really done that here, right? But I think it's fair to say that in, in many ways, we haven't done that across the board. It, that's the, no, no, that's the reasoning that we used for South Miami Park. It's the reasoning that we used in fairness for the tennis center in Dante Facel. So we can, we can assign that logic to anything we want in this entire city except for street signs and, and the beautification of the park that has happened to date. I, I, name one thing you couldn't use that logic on. There isn't anything because we haven't pushed the envelope on anything. But that doesn't mean that now we're just gonna open a hole in a wallet and say we want X amount of money and oh by the way, uh, today I wanna use it for this and tomorrow I wanna use it for that. And you're right, the culvert's not sexy. It's not a fun thing to talk about and it's probably something nobody wants to give us money for. Well then, instead of us trying to figure out how we're gonna pay $25 million or $30 million for those repairs for placemaking, we better start figuring out how we're gonna pay $600,000 to fix a culvert this year and another 600 yeah. 
for next year and another 600 for the following, that means we're not spending it on grass or new bathrooms or new tennis center or new lights. It, guess what? I, when I need a new roof and I know I'm gonna need a new roof in five years, I stop going to Europe on vacation and I stop buying a new car and I, I do things to save money, not try and find an avenue to spend more money. When you own a business, and in my mind, this city is my business, <coughs> when I lose a revenue stream, I have to find another one. But it doesn't mean that when I lose this revenue stream, I'm gonna dig a hole bigger for my business to fall into that I won't be able to get myself out of. And that's the, that's the hard, those are the hard questions. What are we willing to give up? What are we willing to not do? Pull back from whatever the case may be to get those other things that might not be as sexy to fund. Because if we keep saying something is our number one, at some point, we're gonna get called to the carpet for why our number one is not done. No, I agree, I don't, I don't, I mean, that's why I brought this item, because frankly, it's been a year and a half and we haven't moved the needle on it, you know. Uh, we, we, I mean, but I think, frankly, it's, you know, there's only so much room in this budget to do things on a pay-as-you-go basis. And it, I think what we need to do, right, in terms of just projects that are critical and projects that would add a lot of value, exceed our ability to do that on a recurring basis. And I mean, we can try to monetize every asset, and I think I've been as entrepreneurial as anyone trying to bring opportunities to, to monetize the value of the assets. I'll use the public work set as an example, right? There's a limit to how much money we can even raise out of those assets, right? And so, you know, again, I think, you know, when we buy a house, you know, most of us have to get a mortgage, right? And we pay for that. We pay for the cost of that asset, right, over time. We don't pay it all the first day we occupy it. And so I think this is kind of works the same way, you know, and, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of debt that is amount of debt that one can reasonably manage, and there's debt that is wholly irresponsible. We're not talking about taking, I mean, we're not talking about taking even close to what Mr. Riverall has said is kind of the best practice standard, which is $385 million. I don't know why we would ever need that amount of money. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about, you know, figuring out what are the key, you know, the next step of this conversation is what are the key projects that we need to invest in? Yes, ma'am. Can I say something yes, to you? Yes, ma'am. And yeah. I'm gonna try the nicest way to say this. Give it to her. I, I can't because what I'm thinking time. in my brain is it's inappropriate. Always, yeah, okay, so you and I are having this conversation for a year and a half. Mm -hmm. I've probably been a hard no yeah. in any part of this conversation. Yeah. So, you know, you go on a first date and you want to hold hands, but you don't really want to touch her hand because you don't know what's going to happen. You don't want to get smacked in the face. I feel like we're on a second date and you're like, hey, like if I'm willing to give you an inch, can we have a conversation about an inch? Like it, you went from a hard no to a let's have a conversation about something specific, but you're like moving the needle. I think I think we're on, I think it we're on the same I think we're on the same page, which is the next step of this conversation. Yeah, which is one thing in my mind is one <laughs> Great thing. Spin. Yeah. One next thing step of the we're not hey, adding. You know, we're not adding. You never get you never get you never get to second base if you don't turn around first, right? Well, so but you know what? I'm gonna try and take third, right? No, you know, be, we're you know, not. We're see not how good that outfielder's arm is, that. right? So we're not, you know what? If, this isn't baseball. Let's if you're football. if you're trying to There's get no trying in baseball, come on. If yeah. you're trying to get four out of five when you're talking about a bond, right now in your mind you know you've got three, but you need at least four. Understood. And number well, four is going to come from somewhere on this side, cool. and so 
if somebody's giving you an opening to a very specific conversation as a lawyer, why wouldn't you take it? I am taking it, but right, I also, but, but I also, but I, but I, you know, I, you know, I, I don't think, and the manager has said this, and we, you know, we made the point the last time, you know, in our last budget, we can't turn a blind eye to what are needed outlays that go beyond placemaking, and so I'm not asking you to to buy me an infield rumor, right? Because I think we could figure out if we need it that badly, we should be figure out a way to pay for it, right? To pay for an infield groomer. It's on, on the list. I'm not meaning to beat up on the item, but I just think it's the example or, or two new garbage trucks, right? It's more more baseball are, analogy. All right. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, having a conversation about a culvert replacement, bridge replacements, placemaking, you know, we've talked about, we've also talked about another priority being citywide landscaping, lighting, and sidewalk improvements that we do at a ridiculously slow pace with lots of mobilization costs because we do projects that are that small. We can also create economies of scale when we borrow because we can do projects that are, are larger and we can mobilize one contractor and get more value for the same amount of total dollars. And so I'm not talking about, you know, you know, we can talk about any of these items on this list, right? I'm hoping that everything on page 15, right, is paid for out of, you know, the redevelopment of this property. But there are things on page 14 and there are things on page 13 before it that, you know, go well beyond placemaking that I think are necessary improvements that the public would certainly want us to see. A lot of these smaller items are, a lot of, a lot of these are smaller items. I think we could figure out a way to pay on a pay-as-you-go basis out of cash so we're not taking on uh, unnecessary we indebtedness. Have, we have that whole list of items that are going to be netting us additional revenue. I, I'm, I was making a list as he was talking and I came up with $67 million, right? But we have a hundred and we have a hundred and thirty-five million dollars worth of projects identified. Again, I'm not saying all of them are necessary. We're talking about fifty million dollars. So there's a delta there. We not you know sixty-seven million dollars is the aggressive estimate in those numbers, right? So I think there's a happy balance to be struck here. And so you know I'm not I'm not looking to steal third, but you know yeah, let's get no, the second, no, no, right? No, let's, no, no, no. Through the mayor. Yes, sir. So the intent the the intent of the presentation was just to generally look at. The general obligation bond, right? Like, but there's all. I mean, Commissioner Lehman had a good point, and that's one of my points as well. Is that there's other ways of borrowing, yeah. other ways of doing that. I think what you're trying to do, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just seeing the different options out there, yeah, and the different vehicles that we can look into right. to do that stuff. Is I 100% agree, and I would say that one option that you know we foreclosed and we should revisit, right? Is is you know I'm going to use a term that probably going to make Commissioner Lehman. Really annoyed. <laughs> we should have a conversation right. with the county about revisiting the establishment of a CRA, not for general purposes, no, but, I for, agree. but for spe specific purposes. Like you know, you've highlighted the need to build up our water and sewer capacity. You know, th so there are ways to capture incremental dollars that could buy down the cost of doing some of this stuff as well. So I think there's, this is just one solution. It's not the only solution, but it's I think it's an important arrow in the quiver of city finance to at least have at the ready to deploy, right? Like I said, we don't have to, you know, the city of Miami has got their Miami Forever bond. It was authorized three years ago. I don't think they still, five years ago, have they been drawn down on a tranche? They haven't drawn, I, I mean, to my knowledge, they have not drawn down a dollar yet. We, we have just kicked off the process to issue so, those bonds. So we can, we can get the authorization. doesn't mean we have to borrow, right? We're going to have a conversation about what we're going to borrow for, right? And we may start off, Commissioner, to your point, borrowing only for the streetscape enhancers because... We know that we got to hopefully that project comes forward here and we approve something and we can comfortably estimate that we're going to see future dollars come online in three to five years. But we don't want to wait 
to create the dual disruption of the district of a large-scale construction, you know, marrying by then subsequent construction to actually do the improvements when the dollars are in hand. For me, if we are not extremely specific and don't fall to the average three-two, I'm a, I'm a no because I don't wanna I don't wanna be driving a truck with money flying out the back. Nobody does. No one does. It. No one does. But, but guess well, what? I'll, I like to drive behind those trucks. Me too. Yeah, that would be I, nice. I, I'd be fine with let me know. I'm, I'm waiting for that Brinks truck with the door open. I want to be like that. Yeah. yeah. So, but so how do we, how do we oh, land oh, in there? So I think I, questions about the process, we're good. Are there, are, do we want to have a conversation? I've never wanted to stay in a plane longer in my life, yeah. including yesterday. But today, I mean, I, I want to say a... Yeah, go ahead, sir. Thank you. So first, personal, not necessarily positive about the vice mayor. Oh, God. No, when I would introduce... Cause I re recruited Lisa, she wasn't the vice mayor at the time for 10 years, so <laughs> when I introduced her at her fundraiser, I said the difference between me and her husband is hmm. that is that she said yes to him the first time and it took me 10 years. But it's funny, vice mayor, you have all these dating analogies, it's always a dating it's analogy well, because with that's, you. I, you know, I read romance <laughs> novels. <laughs> that's true. Um, second mayor, uh, I'm not opposed to the CRA, as long as it's used for its intended purpose and again, there are facts. The county said this is South Miami at worst than CRA. It all went to overhead, social programs. So this isn't biased. Speak to the county CRA. It's supposed to go to infrastructure. And that wasn't the case. It was just very lopsided. And it was also real political football. So if it was used for the correct purpose, and that was one of the reasons our city was so neglected, included our largest taxpayer, which is Sunset Place. Um, Use for the right purpose, absolutely. Okay. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Oh, no, yeah. Abs yeah. absolutely. But I have no regrets, and I respect the people who took the hard vote and voted the correct way to sunset the CRA. So I, I have no regrets that we, but um, yeah, as long as it's used appropriately. Um, sorry, and, and then another thing that we're not taking into account is all this development that's coming online. Again, apartments, a lot of it's affordable, but some, some place isn't. So there'll be very healthy tax revenue there. It's a general obligation. So you're making my point that we can actually on. borrow and lower taxes at the same time, right? Because oh, we're, we're, yeah. we're hoping, we're ho no, because I think you're exactly right. What's gonna happen is we're gonna see growth, which is gonna give us more operating flexibility. We can reduce the millage. What and, I don't wanna lose focus on is the need to kind of invest while we're growing. I'm with you. And then to my point earlier in our previous Sunshine meeting about Sunset Drive being worth more even with the development rights, our parking garage should be worth a lot. Worth a lot. It's going to generate exponentially more revenue. That's going to be a fact or in retrospect. But um, what I want to get an idea of, and yeah, I'm biased with my priority. I like what I call TPI, tangible positive improvements, right? It's with the placemaking, and I think it's our obligation. So, but so I want to get an idea from Commissioner. Corey, if they're comfortable responding to this, so they may not have an idea right now, because we just started this conversation, and uh, Commissioner Kai, how much they want to borrow, or but what, the, what you're, just a number you're comfortable with, what you're thinking about. Maybe it's too early, which is fine. Okay. Yeah, I, I assumed, and I, I actually appreciated the response that the Vice Mayor made, that, that we come up with a tactical plan that involves reducing what we're spending on things to be able to pay for things that we need to spend on. But I feel without this tool or a tool like this, we have no chance at making the improvements that we need to make while the city's developing around us. So 
we can sharpen our pencils and find ways to pay for the culverts and things like that, but our city's not going to look any different than it does now, at least the city-owned parts of it, while the rest of the city is looking so much better, so much nicer, and it's a disservice to the residents. So I think while we're coming up with that tactical plan, we need to figure out how we're going to allocate these tools in a way that we can keep up with those with those improvements. But And of course, I'd be a fan as well of sharpening the pencil, figuring out ways to pay this without. I think that you have done an amazing job with one arm tied behind your back, and this is the other arm. So that's my hope, is that we all come together and that we actually use this, with this tool or a tool like it so that we can do what we have to do for the city. Has, has anyone along the subject streets where the culverts are complained about cut through traffic? <laughs> okay, so just, just being mindful of the time, um, I think we're clear on the process. Any, any questions on process before we close that out? Okay. Yes, ma'am, go ahead. We need to put safeguards in place if and when we decide to move forward with this so we don't end up not being mean to anybody or dissing anyone so we don't end up like we did with South Miami Park where it was whether you find it right or not, we're, we're this just ramming this through for reasons that I still don't understand. It was like, it's what I want and that's what we're gonna do and if you don't like it, I don't care, you don't wanna get this, we're gonna do that. and. I don't think that's the right way, and I don't want to see that happen here. It wasn't, in in my eyes, that was definitely not the way to go when there were so many options on the table. I don't want that to happen here. So we need to think about what mechanisms we are putting in place as a city so we don't find ourselves there. Madam Vice Mayor, I think your comment, I, 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 I respect what you're saying, but I think you know, we also were elected to do things. You know, these two gentlemen made a commitment on that park. I made a commitment to get things done. I tried to open the door and have a conversation about alternate ways of financing it so we can balance managing cash, right, through limited borrowing to do those improvements. Uh, I respect the fact that you and the you and Commissioner Liebman, for the most part, are leery of making that investment because you think it's 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 outward serving as opposed to you know citizen serving. But it's it's our park. It's our asset. I feel an obligation to invest in it. I don't apologize for what we did. I think it's still a responsible investment. Um, you know, ultimately, people will pass judgment on what we did or not in the future. I think here, you know, my style has not been. I think it's fair to say to be someone who's tried to ram anything down anyone's throat. Even today, on an item I've been pushing don't for a year. Am I understand? Well, I, I, there are things you know, but but let's just talk about that. I introduced that item over a year ago. Right? I waited till today to finally call, call the question on it. So I think I, found, I tried to find ways and provide opportunity where everybody gets their say. And we tried to, I was open to a modification. She didn't want it. You know, I you know, can respect the person we're trying to recognize. So that's why I called the question. But I was open to the modification and would happily support it. She just didn't want to be honored that way. For whatever reason, not there's my a, place. There's a real difference in the way Mayor Robina handled it versus Mayor Price. Well, in, 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 in any in any event, I and, and we don't in any event. But the point is, I I don't think you know, the characterization of that item is particularly fair. That all said, the point of this exercise is to try to build consensus around a series of projects that we think we need to fund, that are going to support our future growth and development. Again, I don't need this to be a pinata, right? I want to see us, you know, invest in things where we can leverage money in terms of hard infrastructure, 
because there are those opportunities. I think right now, you know, to me, you know, there's, we don't have a credit rating. My frustration is that the state is, the, the state of Florida has a AAA credit rating, right? And we lived through the best debt market probably in our lifetime, and we kept paying off debt with cash, right? When, you know, what we're doing as your financial advisor, our CFO said is, why would I repay, right, and refinance that debt when I'm borrowing at one and a half and getting 5% on cash, right? Well, I want to manage. That's we, a no-brainer. It is, but, but I say that, that we have the opportunity to borrow on very good terms, right, today, and I want to open up that opportunity because it's going to basically be cheaper than if we paid for it as you go, right? Because that $9 million that's sitting above our, our, our surplus is the only place we can go to do some of the stuff <coughs> I think we need to do. Well, I don't want to go because I want to take cash out of our reserves, right? Is is actually earning us more money than if we borrowed it, right? So there's right now the debt's debt is there's a premium spread as Mr. as Mr. Mosfidal said. I think we should try to take advantage of this moment as we should have tried to take advantage of the moment 20 years ago, but we weren't here. So let's think about the things that are going to help not only address needs but also spur future growth, right? Distinguish us as a city. So we create more value. That's really the goal for me of this exercise. And, and by the way, I think just suggesting next steps, we can close yeah. the conversation. Well, I think the next step is to work on a project list. But equally importantly, to Commissioner Kaya's point, there are other non-ad valorem revenues that we can look at bonding, the public works lease, right, PTP money, and figure out what kinds of projects that are on this needs list can be funded with those dollars so we can keep this GOB authorization, to your point, as tight as possible, right? So we're not putting our full faith and credit on the line for everything, but for the narrowest universe of things that give us the most flexibility to respond to needs and also make the investments we all know we need. That, that's what I'm suggesting. Three, yes, sir. Three, three quick things. So one is your benefit, and maybe most people know this, but maybe some don't. Cities, municipalities borrow it and preferential rate yeah I mean, that's how you get munis and and so forth so I mean that may be something you can share for the public it's not a traditional loan municipalities borrowed at a discounted rate I don't know if people know that if they don't invest in bonds so certainly cheaper than a 30-year mortgage right now so that's for sure so yeah. second thing is not to bring this up I don't put words in the vice mayor's mouth but I think what she's trying to say is that if the number one priority is placemaking we use the same amount of money for very controversial item. If that was our number one priority, I think what you're trying to say is not beat up in the park. You know, I'll put words in your mouth, but we didn't prioritize, right? Based on this commission's definition of prioritize, we put in something controversial. The other thing I want to say, again, this is to help you, or this, I'm going to, I always try to. I don't know if I do, <laughs> and not always, but oftentimes. Um, can the money, and this is a question for you, Mr. Mayor, City of Attorney or, or not, and city manager, is can we limit it to specific projects? Yes. Can it be say it's only for these? Yeah, I mean, should there be remaining money? Is that? I mean, to the city attorney, we we should develop a project list. It should inform what we're going to ask to borrow. Now, uh, then, are we bound to that? We we we, we are, but the but a, a future commission, okay. right, can by ordinance, <coughs> if I'm not mistaken, reallocate dollars, right? Because we can't bind. Everyone's spending in the future. Am I mistaken in my no, explanation? You, you're right. I just want to be clear. So there's categories of projects. Correct. Public safety, parks. You can future commissions can reallocate within the categories. Correct. Okay. So yeah. you can't take a park project and make it, you know, a new 
whatever. So to, to your point, we can put guardrails around total categorical spending. So we know that we're not gonna, you know, spend more than a certain amount on parks acquisition, right? If your priority is placemaking. But we can't say that this project is forever immutably part of the plan because a future commission can choose to reallocate that money. And could we, sorry, no, yeah. Go ahead, sir. Well intended. Um, can we consider it aesthetically a bridge loan? It's not, it would be a 30 year loan, but can we consider it a bridge loan, say upon completion, Sunset Place may not happen, right? It's a possibility, but upon completion of Sunset Place, we would pay off the loan. I know it's relative to where interest rates are and whether or not it's a good deal, but can that be done? Yes, sir, go ahead. Prepayment. Through, through the mayor, yeah. So, so any municipal <coughs> bond always has a prepayment provision. So that will be structured, rest assured, that will be structured into the... Right. Well, I know that's through. there, but I mean internally, contingent right, upon a, a, a project, would be on Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think we, if, if we have surplus cash and, you know, the rate is now, you know, um, you know the rate's not a premium rate. It's, it's, there's cheaper debt. We can either pay it down or refinance and certainly save save money and continue to reduce the millage, which is our, I think, one of our shared objectives. Questions to close? Comments, what, how, where do we want to take this in terms of next steps? Do I we want to? I think you said it already, you know, okay. we, we need to come up with a list, um, you know, and anything that we do, I don't know why we're considering this a full business, but it's not a business. We, we make investments to go ahead and pay other things off. That's the way business is done. It's not always cash in, cash goes out. We make investments. You borrow to make investments. So let's yeah, make a list. In. Let's make a list to create what we think the investment should be, and then we'll take it from there to see what avenues, what uh, financing avenues, what revenue revenues. I mean revenue avenues we have. So I think that's the best way of going about this. Okay. So I think by way of next direction to staff, if there's no objection, if we can work on with you individual, Mr. Manager, and your staff to kind of refine a global project list. If you can help us break it into funding categories, you know, pl place making, parks, parks acquisition, whatever categories we think are some commonalities. And then if we can get from, you know, Mr. Vasudal and Mr. Riverall, the opportunities to fund non-ad valorem and what the programmatic limitations are associated with those dollars that provide the pledge and figure out how much of those projects can be funded with those first, right? As opposed to a GOB, you know, uh, you know, I, I think that's how I'd like to see the information brought back to us for a conversation, maybe at the end of next month, if that's reasonable. Well, I, yes. I, 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 further, sorry. Yes. To, to further add, I mean, the city manager has gone through this exercise with several different municipalities and county. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, what what are the avenues that you guys have borrowed? What steps are taking? What do we actually spend the money on or invest the money in? Like, is that something that you've done before that we can leverage here? Well, we certainly have a, a, a much narrower uh, inventory, if you will, right? I mean, you know, certainly some bigger governments may have some revenue streams that, that we don't necessarily enjoy. Uh, some may have an enterprise for their solid waste. We don't, you know, it just comes into our, our general fund. Um, notwithstanding, there's some opportunities. Um, I, I, I will caution all of us, because I've lived this city of Miami, is, is using one-time revenues to pay our way out of uh, situations uh, that, that we just don't have the inventory, you know, the asset capacity to, to kind of buy our way out of, you know, a bridge problem, a culvert problem. Um, so 
there are some opportunities, but they're at a smaller scale. Uh, but I think they're in order to take a look at what revenue pledges we can make uh, based on whatever revenues we have and what would be the appropriate uh, assets. I, at the end of the day, really, it's, it's going to be a matter of the priority with what, what is the will of this commission. Um, you know, I, I mean, the, the word neglect was used for, for, you know, some time period, decisions that were made for whatever reasons were made. Um, but I, I, the only thing I will say is we're not going to, uh, manage, you know, what's uh, needed. I'm not talking about, you know, certain nice-to-haves. I'm talking about some of the things that we're facing. Just talk about culverts and bridges and some of that infrastructure. Those are real dollars that exceed, you know, our ability to pay as you go. I mean, that's just the reality. So um, uh, all of these are a function of millage and borrowing, and if those aren't tools, we're, we're really going to have a difficult time if we didn't have some of these issue, infrastructure issues or we had the proper money to take care of it, that's a big nut that we take care of. But it's before us. You know, it's our turn of the barrel. We got to deal with it and we got to figure out ways. We want to continue to be aggressive of, of looking for you know, other people's money, right? Uh, part of that is to have projects that, that we can say, hey, we have this amount that could be a pledge and it's shovel ready. <clears throat> so some planning efforts are important because it puts us in a better position to, to seek money. So. We, are, we do have some revenue opportunities uh, that we can take a look at from a revenue uh, bond standpoint. You know, um, they're, they're going to be limited, but I, I think these things are not, you know, one, one solution, right? I mean, we got to look at multiple solutions to tackle it. I, I'm just telling you, pay as you go is not going to be uh, uh, something that the city's going to be able to manage with the things that, that we know and we need. Um, so uh, I, we want to do a combination, of course. But I think some of these issues that we're facing right today, let's say if we, we don't know what the bridge is going to be yet, we got to design that, right? That's not going to be cheap. Uh, and we got a couple of culverts. Uh, luckily, we got some pretty good news on, on one of them recently, so that's helpful. Some of it, we just don't know what we don't know, right? We, some of these studies and planning efforts, and we're taking a look at our roadways and sidewalks, those are sort of uh, unfunded liabilities that, that we just don't know the order of magnitude because we haven't done the assessments and, and we're working towards that. So we're creating the infrastructure to have that information to figure out how to best match resources to, to those needs. Um, so I, I um, you know, we'll, we'll get with each of you uh, to, to get further direction as it relates to, you know, uh, the vice mayor has been very clear as to what she is willing to consider, but each of you should share those thoughts as well and we'll try to put that together and. Now, what we provided are things that are typical ideas that you would see in any city um, and, and, and could be, again, these are long-term issues, right? We don't, it's not going to we're going to do something next year, two years. You know, these could be five, six, ten years down the road that are part of this revenue stream and tranches of, of uh, issuance. So we'll get this feedback from you individually and then see where that, you know, where that comes back and then you'll, you'll have to reconcile it again, as painful as that may be. Uh, but unfortunately, the the direction that that uh, we have to take is is making up for lost time, and when there is neglect, and you don't have proper reserves, you know that's what happens. You end up with this sort of unfunded liabilities of deferred capital and deferred maintenance. Forget a nice to have, and then you have some facilities that need to be improved, um, and and that takes money, right? So, uh, you know, we'll get there one way or another. But I, I the only thing I'll from an editorial standpoint, you know, reducing millage and not borrowing, we'll, 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 we're going to have the same, it'll be the same outcome that this city has had 
and, 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 I, and I say that not from a standpoint of figuring out whatever direction you give me, we're going to do the best we can to, to, to make it work. But I just want us to be mindful that the same approach is going to put us uh, in, in a heap of trouble, especially with some of this infrastructure stuff that we're uncovering. Um, so um, we'll get your direction. We'll start assembling that and then match that up with you know, some potential ways to, to get there. And then continue. You continue your conversation, and you'll give us a direction as you see as you see fit. Uh, you know. Okay, Madam Vice Mayor, last comment. Thank you. I, it's actually a question for our city manager. Um, what I would appreciate seeing is we have a, a universe. You just made a very important distinction where you said some are this year, some are next year, some are in ten years, some are whatever. If if there's stuff that's now, tomorrow, next year, blah, 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 I think that's the way that we collectively need to see it. Because yeah. if not, again, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I'm like, why on earth would I even be talking about buying mm -hmm. a park space if I can't fix the freaking sidewalk? Mm -hmm. Like, for me, that's insanity. Uh, you know, having the same conversation over and over again and having not a different result. And so I understand what you're saying but when we attack this, and, and you said it, is, hey, the bond will be, you know, in, in your estimation, you are, in, in my opinion, the most <coughs> expert person here of, you know, our group. We're in trouble. Eh? We're in trouble. Yeah, well, you know what? You get paid the big <laughs> bucks. <no? laughs> um, to, to look at that list critically and say we should be able to cover this with existing revenue, we won't be able to cover this even mm -hmm. in the next million years and then give it to us that way because asking us for priorities is like asking a toddler what they want from Toys R Us. I want it all, but I can't afford it. Don't insult it the toddlers. Huh? No, I, I, don't, I, insult, I, don't insult the toddlers. Yeah, right. Yeah. Vice Mayor, I, I, I duly noted, uh, the, take the example of uh, acquisition of, of uh, green space, for example, right? It doesn't mean that it's tomorrow. Is there anything uh, requiring us? Is there any you know, law we're going to break? No. Uh, from a national standpoint, uh, you know, there's some metrics about 10 acres per thousand residents. So that's a sort of a national standard that the National Park and Recreation. So if we, if we use that as a guide, obviously, and we're about 48, 50 acres, uh, you'll see, you know, we're, and, and, and it doesn't have to be 10, it could be seven, but you'll see. So is that an aspirational thing? Is that, you know, saying, okay, for us to provide better service? Do we need that tomorrow? No, of course not. And that's why these bond programs are over a substantial a time period. Uh, so I agree that if we're going to have that conversation and we're talking about a bridge, a culvert, and some of the infrastructure, you know, placemaking to improve, you know, our economic engine, yeah, relative to that, that's not maybe a two-year thing. But it could be within seven years, we may want to acquire additional space to, to sort of improve on uh, green space, you know, per Or, per, or, per or we may want to work with the school system to improve their green space and yeah. then acquire it, right? Yeah. Just to kind of create more inventory that way. So, so, so to your point, there are things that are like, hey, this is, you know, tomorrow and four, four weeks from now and three months from now. I mean, we're going to be facing that with culverts and, and bridges. Right? I mean, that's coming our way um, and other things are, but I, I think it is important to have this sort of aspirational conversation because it is over a long period. And so if it is a point that's on the list is to match some need, whether it's six months from now or five years from now, uh, and that's just good planning. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean that we have to do it. It just means that there's a game plan. So 
I, I agree that for us to try and, if we're going to borrow, to borrow something that's going to take care of some immediate needs and is foreseeable and is tangible, um, and it's in, in, in concert with some priority, right, that, that we don't leapfrog, you know, buying mm -hmm. an acre, uh, a, a lot somewhere to have a pocket park, and yet we can't fix our bridge, right? Thank and you. so no argument there from that standpoint. Okay, so in terms of just to, to close out, if we can, March 19th, is that fair enough to have some, a follow-up item, hopefully with some further analysis from staff on feedback from us on needs? It's a regular meeting, yeah. So just target that and then bring back capacity by using other non-ad valorem revenue streams to possibly create. Uh, and maybe make it a time certain conversation. We can, yes, if we'd like, yeah. We'll, we'll, put, up, we'll put Mr. Vassal at the front of the list. Vice Mayor, what the city manager didn't mention is you have to stay in the commission to see everything through. <laughs> You're so fun. Okay, with that, I think we have one item. If we can get a quick, yes, just, I, yes, yes, talk about, talk about priorities. I, I do not I can do this in 45 stay. minutes or I can do this in five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Bosco. Thank you. I'm, I'm walking out of here in You're 10 welcome. minutes. You're welcome to leave. So it I'm better be over then before then. Well, I'm not gonna ask for a motion to extend the meeting. Five. Oh, Five-minute abs. Let's go. Coming down. Habla rápido. So, I'm here to provide you a presentation of our parking program, our fantastic parking program. <laughs> um, so, I'm going to start off by telling you what dictates, and we're, we're, when we're saying parking, we're talking about Chapter 15A of our code, which talks about and provides all the guidance that we use to enforce our parking program. Skip that. Got there it. You. Okay. Okay. So here's our fees, and our fee is, and you see, it's three dollars an hour. We have it broken down in half hours, a dollar fifty per hour, which in essence is three dollars an hour. I put on there um, the hourly rates of our neighboring cities. You can see from Coral Gables is three fifty to four dollars in certain now uh, certain places. University of Miami, which is a university, city of Miami, Surfside. Um, we're in the ballpark of th at three dollars when comparing us to neighboring municipalities we're relatively either on the low or just about in line with them. Well, Our monthly is also in line. Actually, yep. I'm sorry, I I'd like to say something. We cho you chose the most expensive municipalities. I mean, the most affluent municipalities, Miami Beach, Sunny Isles, Bell Harbor, Surfside. I mean, not, not the city of Miami. Not parking program. Right, okay. Coral Gables. is the only one that's, that's missing, if I'm correct, that they just started, and Doral just started their program and they're in line with our hourly rates. So they're just kind of new to, to the parking. But not every municipality or jurisdiction. We are fortunate enough to have probably one of the top five, definitely top, or within the probably the, the largest four between MPA, Coral Gables, Miami Beach, and then us. We're probably the largest parking program, which, and you'll, I'll get to that slide soon enough, which shows that is what has helped us maintain the millage so low. It is our greatest asset. And our, and our greatest economic development detraction for downtown, yes, yes, but okay. Keep going, Alfredo, Go don't listen yeah. to so us. 3.9, 16% of our uh, general fund revenue, that's our budgeted, what we have, we're in line, uh, we're monitoring, we constantly are monitoring month, af month after month our, uh, our revenue, and we're in line, we're about 3% over um, in, in expected revenue, which is fantastic. Um, our expenses to maintain this parking infrastructure, 624 in operating, um, expenditures, which includes our flat fee for LAS parking to do our enforcement, collections, and maintenance of our system, and then some other 
other expenditures related to it, credit card fees. And then our capital expenditure for this fiscal year, we budgeted 260. Uh, those are just general improvements. We've used up to date about $50,000 to do that, that major infrastructure improvement that we needed to do. Can you go back one slide? And of course. Thank you. Okay. 3.9. Um, and I could provide this. Okay. We just finalized it. That's why we can provide okay, this. Okay, go back forward. That's fine. Okay. So going forward, uh, that's our expenditure to maintain this parking program. Um, parking enforcement hours, that's something that has been discussed a lot. Um, our, we operate our parking as per code. If you're parking one of our spaces, it's a 24-hour. You're supposed to pay for your, your parking at any moment that you pay that you park in that system. However, we only have parking enforcement. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we don't, that's why I did it that color. Um, we only enforce 15 hours a day except for Friday and Saturday, which we go to 2 a.m., which is the, the, the two days that we go for 17 hours. That's how, the other times we're not enforcing. It's just it's what we found to be the best operating system for us in our, in our area. And that's why when we bid out the contract, Every year, we put okay. these hours of what we want to enforce. Perfect. Excellent. So we wanted to look at citations. Citations, and this was time consuming because we use Miami-Dade County's citation system, which is a very uh, uh, AS400 based system. So the data comes in, we have to take out printouts and then kind of put it manually. That's just, we work with the clerk of courts and that's their system. Um, so we provided one week of when we cited. You can see in the mornings there are low periods, lunch, and, uh, and dinner times, um, we broke it down into three phases, morning, afternoon, and you have one week and you have another week following. And they're pretty consistent. Um, on this previous week, we lost an employee, so you can see we, we were a little bit short um, or didn't cite as much as the following week. Uh, we are and now fully staffed again. And just, just to be clear, these are citations for the on-street parking inventory only? On-street, off-street, and parking garage. Right, okay. The whole, the whole gamut. And can do you have corresponding revenue numbers by the hourly window? By the hourly window, I do yeah. not. Okay. That's something, is that something we can get? Yeah, that's our pay by phone. I, I, you know, look, I'm, what I'm, what I'm, yeah, what I'm, what I'm curious to see is, and what I wanted this presentation was, you know, look, there's, there's some times here, frankly, where I think it's self-defeating to be citing people. Let's just say 10 a.m. to 1 a.m. Right. There's very little parking demand for the on-street infrastructure. 10 there's very little demand for the on-street infrastructure. You said 10 a.m. Sorry, 10 p.m. My apologies. It's, it's late. But there's very little demand. I, I would imagine there's very little relative demand for that inventory. But we are t basically taxing people for staying later in the district, right? And so um, I just want to figure out whether we should be modifying our enforcement operation, right? So it's not to give people a parting gift of a, of a parking ticket when they're leaving a nice dinner, right, in one of our restaurants and in the town center. So that, that's why I, I'd love to see beyond this what the revenues look like because I would I, I, I do want to make sure that we're enforcing during peak hours when there's high demand for those spaces. But if there's not high demand, right, all we're doing is it's a punitive tax. So this yeah. high level numbers, that's 110 citations out of the 965. So it's roughly a magnitude of 15% that we're charging after hours. Yeah, but we've got three and three point nine five million dollars in revenue on nine hundred and eighty nine thousand dollars in expenses. So, I think it's 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 capacity that we we have now. Sorry, I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, I know. No, no. Sorry. The you said we we have four million in revenue. Yeah. 
Right, and you said we have about a million in expenses. I, I got six twenty-four in operating expenses right. and another two sixty in capital. Yeah, but wait, we got to be fair. Correct me if I'm wrong. Six sixty. You're absolutely correct, man. Well, here six. But six twenty-four. Yeah. Okay, six twenty-four, and this this is Liza's rate. Putting money into the garage and parking spaces, we'd have to do regardless. I wouldn't consider that an expense. I mean, you have to do that regardless. Well, no, I'm not saying it's not a justifiable expenditure. We're gonna, we have to make that investment in the asset. Right. Not, not, mean, not debating that point. But we would cut. We would cut Laz's. No, asset. no. What I'm saying is we have three point nine million dollars in, in revenues and roughly a million dollars in expenses. So. Right, but or the operating cut. And correct me if I'm wrong, but the vendor contract is six twenty five, right? Yeah. No, no, no. no the no. vendor contract is three hundred thousand. Right. I'm sorry, but the. The For parking, sorry, the parking, right, all in is, is six and a, Plus the two and a quarter. I mean, we have these security cameras, but this is all for parking. It's not infrastructure to get to the nine. That's the parking garage, maintaining parking spots. Mr. Riverall, just to, so we understand the expense side, am I right? It's about nine, a million dollars, 624 plus the 260. In capital expenditure, so operating 624, 260 yeah. for again, this year was our capital. The expense side, but to, to Commissioner Liebman's point, we got you know getting back to the other point, we got to routinely invest in these assets to right. keep from having the deferred maintenance, which leads us to need to borrow money, right? So, you know, right now what I'm seeing is in this program, right, as a standalone silo, I don't know if this captures all of our staff time internally or not, and other miscellaneous, you know, uh, indirect support the city provides the parking operation. It's roughly a, a surplus, right, in quotes, of $2.95 million, right? Okay. So, I, I understand it. It's a subsidy of the general fund. No question there. The point for me having this conversation is at what cost, right? And I think the cost is people's perception of South Miami in terms of their convenience to come here and shop in our city is not a good one. I mean, this is the one thing where no one knows is, since the place is a mess, right? And parking there is insufferable, it's the enforcement, right? So again, I think it has, an, it has an impact, a cost impact on how people want to perceive, come and utilize the district. And so I just wanna have a conversation with my colleagues. Should we think about, you know, doing enforcement slightly differently or maybe reducing rates? We can do the same amount of enforcement, but maybe there is, we actually reduce our rates so that we're not at the upper end of the rate tier, but we're at 250 or $2 an hour, right? Putting us somewhere because we're trying to again induce activity into the district. I don't. So Mayor, I move to extend the meeting. No, I'm leaving. Okay. Let's move to extend it for no more than ten minutes. Second. Okay. 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 No problem. We have a motion and a second. Is there any objection to the motion? Other than we have one one no in 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 Commissioner and Vice Mayor Bonich. Have a good night. <laughs> So, Mr. Rob, sorry, if, if you want to finish your, your presentation. <laughs> um, so we have, this, we just gave our citation, how much we, 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 we cite um, on a monthly basis. You'll see it taper off in November and December, uh, which obviously because of our holiday programs, things of that nature. 1.5 is the gross amount. That is not what we collect. That's excluding what we pay the county and yeah. all that. Yeah. It's roughly about maybe 700,000 that we actually, of that 1.5. So this breaks down how much our parking inventory, we have 1,168 parking stalls. That includes the 425 or the 440 that we have in the parking garage. Um, we broke it down in, and this is for all of fiscal year 2023, this is confirmed. Um, you can see in the parking garage, um, and we, we rank the areas, those locations, pay by phone locations, 
So for example, number one, our, our busiest spot is 73rd Street, which right now is, is it's a challenge because obviously of the construction that we have, Casa Cuba brings a lot of people that stop for get coffee and they'll pay for an hour and they'll leave after 20 minutes. And then, you know, so we, we make, it's just a very high end um, revenue producing location followed by uh, Sunset Place. And you'll see, and you'll see there where it's going to be different moving this fiscal year. Now with McDonald's, that's where you have uh, Pura Vida. That's just sort of new. It's not taken really fully into account in 2023. That number is going to be higher. Uh, you also have 41st, which is Bird Road, which is outside of the of the downtown. That's also going to be producing because of what that new restaurant, because that building was unoccupied for much of 2023. So we, in summary, on this page, just so you can see, we have a total of 818, 818 spaces over in downtown, which makes up about 70 percent. For fiscal year 23, it made up about 83% of the revenue. In uh, in the bottom, which is the outside of downtown, made up of mostly the hospital, Bird Road, those are two other areas outside. Uh, it generated about 17% of that revenue, and those are 30%. That is going to be a lot different, and I think you'll see in one of the slides, um, that's going to be a lot different moving for fiscal year 24. Um, now that Bird Road is functioning, and it's, been, it's gonna be functioning for a whole year, and you see the downtown, we took it into our forecast in the budget that we knew it was gonna be a drop off in downtown because of this construction. So uh, as you can see, and in, in we made 3.4 million, we forecasted for this year 2.9 because of the construction, which we knew was going to limit people to visit the area. So the 3% that you said were above, just based on our forecast? On our forecast, that's correct. So we've, we're, we're in line right now with what we forecasted, which is pretty good. Um, I'm just going to go into uh, parking. There was a question of $1.50 versus $3 in the parking garage. We discussed that, and we just <coughs> did that in mid-November. The only period that we can actually compare apples to apples is January 3rd of last year versus, uh, to 31st to this year, because in November, we shut down on weekends, which is the highest producing time for that parking garage because of the construction. And then after that, we went straight into the holidays. So to compare apples and apples, um, in summary, and uh, in the bottom you'll see it in bold, we had 256 more transient, which is what the $3 would affect is transient, uh, transient transactions, and 7,708 more in revenue when compared to that period. Troy, can you do a, because a dollar amount doesn't help, can you do a percentage basis? How much more oh. received? I don't know where the numbers are. I could do it. Correct. No, but it's about $8,000 difference in revenue. Right. What percentage increase no, from? No, percentage, because 8,000 means nothing to me without knowing the. I can get you that. I don't want yeah. to talk about I mean, just Because that's how you compare the difference. I don't know what we, what we receive one year, what we receive the next year. So for the month, so for that period, we received. Oh, it's right here. $21,000. Okay. No, you, I see it now. You cannot use the 15,000. The reason you can't use the 15 is because that's, that's Avalon uh, Bay, which is now renting spots from us. Right. In that particular month, they actually rented for two months. So that fee has to be divided in two. Um, but in essence, we went from 21000 we went up to 28000 So, so 7708 So, um, all right. And then we have some proposed changes, things that we're hoping to implement soon, which is uh, we're going to implement free 10-minute only spaces, eight of them, we're converting paid parking spaces. This is a phenomenon because of the delivery or pickup, Uber Eats, Postmates, and 
it's just become a huge part of, I think COVID is what expedited that. People were very, they be, they've grown comfortable in ordering from Uber Eats, Postmates, DoorDash. So, and we're seeing an issue where these DoorDash and these uh, people that are picking up are just leaving their cars in the middle of the street. So we're trying to create a space where they can park and we will monitor and it's free. You park there for 10 minutes and then leave. And that way, hopefully that'll free up people that are just pulling up and, and stopping traffic. Uh, modify the valet. We did that already for, for, Bro for Bird Road. In Bird Road, we actually have a valet fee. We want to incorporate that fee um, in the downtown area. Um, centralized, we met with the valet. We looked at it in many different ways. Centralized valet just currently the way that our traffic patterns are will not work. Um, but opening it up for valet under that fee structure for those bays would work. And prioritize marketing, and that's prioritize our so many businesses. People don't come to park, they don't. They come to visit restaurants that open. A perfect example is Berg Road. We had parking spaces, nobody visited them. We had no businesses there because the building was being remodeled after the fire. So that's one thing we will. Now, uh, parking garage revenue, obviously ideas. Uh, we, we've tossed around a few ideas. Um, antenna towers, uh, leasing it out on the roof to put antenna towers. There's uh, Diamonds is a known company that does that. So uh, like a third party that works with the Sprints, the T-Mobiles, all of those. Um, Hertz, Amazon Locker, we have corners of the garage, which you, can, you can't park because it's just, they're dead spaces it's in every garage. Um, turning them into Amazon lockers, uh, host a car club once a month, become part of their regular rotation, and dynamic pricing. At certain times when there's peak times, we can increase the rates, and times when it's low volume, we can reduce the rates. And that's, that's my presentation. Okay. Commissioner. Thank you. So just uh, two points, and then I'd like to have a conversation which we can have afterwards. So one point is in terms of the the um, areas where there's no parking, which um, Mr. Riverall is referring to, to use an Amazon locker, those used to be part of the leases with um, with Taco Craft and other restaurants used for dry storage mm -hmm. to store liquor in there and, and so forth. So um, those are actually, um, those are dedicated spaces now, which I believe you're suggesting to activate. Um, so the point is before they were used, they're already set aside and they were used for say a similar use. Um, the other thing is if we generate uh, $33 a day times 365 days um, times uh, eight spaces, that's uh, $96,000. That's $100,000. So just be mindful of that, you know, for these pickup and drop off, um, you know, ride sharing, uh, food delivery, it's $100,000. It's significant. And we're talking about raising money. Now, the conversation I want to have, which we can do at the end, is I know I haven't grown up, but I used to, growing up, or when my parents were trying to get me to grow up, I used to live down Red Road in the Gables. So this was our downtown in South Miami, and this is a philosophical conversation, which I think Commissioner Corey will like. South Miami always had the reputation of the ticketing, and you get tickets within a minute and so forth. So it had that reputation 40 years ago, at least. But Right, perception's reality, but it's not the reality. We used to give a 10-minute grace period. Now we give a 15-minute grace period 
our parking rates aren't any more than anywhere else. And if we wanted to be even more economical in line with a city that's less of a draw, it would only be 50 cents. And 250 and $3 is not going to be the driver or influence anyone from coming here. So the question is, is and this is a conversation we're going to have later, if the Commission wants, is why do we have that reputation? Because it's not the reality. We have a 10-minute grace period. Now it's 15 before you give a ticket. I think it, I think it's a good, it's a good question. I've tried to figure it out. It could be the history. I think it's, it's I not, think it's I think it's a history. It it why do we have the rep, Why do we have the reputation that there's not adequate parking? There isn't. There is a garage that literally sits, you know, 80 plus percent vacant. So, it's not accurate, but it is the perception. Well, yeah, we yeah. do have that reputation, but it's not accurate. Yeah. So it's just well. is it because of the way the city was. But I, well, I mean, that's a reputation management thing that we can look into as well. That's a marketing thing. That's, you know, that's but I, but I, but I think, I think, I think yes. the broader question for me is, is this, right? We are, we had a conversation. We're struggling to find revenues to improve what is our number one priority. I submit to you that I would rather take this, if we're going to keep this revenue model, right? Let's take half of the surplus and rather than support the general fund, let's reinvest that money to do capital projects in, in the town center, right? A million dollars of, of that money can leverage $7 million of improvements, rough math, just using our existing debt service matrix, right? Just make sure you understand, Mayor, that whatever, and this is just playing devil's advocate here yeah. for you, whatever money you take away from the general fund are projects that we can't fund. No, well, well or that's projects, true. That's EIP true. or whatever. EIP or, or it's not a debt service millage decrease that we don't, or a millage decrease that we don't give for the next year, right? So I think, you know, the, the problem I have is that we have, we all know that, you know, Commissioner Lieben says this better than anyone, the, the goose that lays the golden egg for this town center, or is for the city is our town center, right? It's the economic engine that drives our ad valorems. It's what keeps, you know, our millage rate low generally. The problem is that we have a, become very dependent, I would say, on a very regressive fee structure to help do that. And I'm just wondering whether we can kind of lessen our dependence, even if it's a half a million dollars, right, as a target, right, so that we improve not only the optics, right, but also take some, take, take that money, repurpose it, and put it back into physical improvements, which also change the perception about the place as well. So um, th that's why I wanted to hi highlight the conversation. We can forego enforcement, right, at certain hours, right, because it's, you know, you know, reinforces that perception, or we can decide we'll live with that perception, but we're going to change it through investing in the district, right? But I think we have to do one or the other if we're going to help nudge this place into a place of prosperity, because right now it's it's receding. Sorry, to, to my question, yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, Mayor, and, and uh, true Commissioner Kaye, when people come, they see the condition, I think that's why they take issue with the parking and the enforcement, because, right? It's not that desirable. So I, yeah, I, I mean, think we have that a place make would be a difference. It's just we, you know, I, I think we expect owners to invest in the physical plan of their property, right? All we're doing right now is using this as a value extraction area, and we're not reinvesting in the physical plan of it. And so, I think this is the worst value extraction place because it's not it's it's the most regressive way to tax people, um, and it's the one that gives from a public relations standpoint the greatest amount of negative engagement. And so I just ask the question, how do we want to try to right-size the dynamic to deal with the perception and the reality that we need to invest more in this district? Yep. Yeah, I think I'm a huge fan of reinvesting the ill-gained profits there back into the city so that we can 
we can improve the the place making infrastructure and we continue to do that that was one of the complaints of the downtown advisory board was that we keep taking money out of the downtown and, and bringing it to other places i love the ideas for the parking garage i had thought of a couple of my own i looked at the fee structures for monthly rentals in other places and thought maybe we can make ours a little more competitive when i spoke with someone from the downtown advisory board they wanted us to make Fridays free there, some you know, just ideas of ways we could do more specifically with the garage. But I, I, I wouldn't be as big of a fan of really like reducing, reducing, reducing parking rates as much as reinvesting it in, into the downtown. But those kind of promotional ideas, I'd always be a fan of. I mean, I think the problem is perfectly encapsulated in this slide, which is this number that's 16% of our revenue comes from parking revenue. And, and I'd say that, you know, what, a fifth of that is from citations, right? It's a needed evil. No, no I know, it's, it's, it keeps, it keeps the, it keeps if the- If we don't cite, it's just people won't pay. No, I, I, I understand, but there's also, we, we also do cite when there's no demand, right? And so that's, and that's the part that reinforces the negative perception. And so, you know, I, look, I, I, sh I sent you and the manager the text of the photo of someone's window on Christmas Eve, right, on Sunset Drive at 4.30. There's nobody on the street, right? I've come out of restaurants at 11 o'clock at night. I was the last person to close down the location. You spend an extra $50, you know, on drinks or an appetizer, and you walk out, there's a $36 ticket on your windshield, and there's not a person parked in all the stalls next to you. It's just kind of, it's. I think, I think it's a self-defeating exercise that we're engaged in because we haven't owned up to the fact that we're hooked on the revenue. And we got to, but I, so I just want to, again, keep pounding away at this issue so that we go into July and we're talking about priorities and budgeting. We're thinking about how we reduce our dependence on this number. If we're not going to reduce our dependence on it, then let's figure out a way to reinvest it so that it creates more value for the city. Mm -hmm. So thank you for putting together this presentation. Any last questions or comments? Okay. With that, uh, park it. Park, park it. <laughs> With that, I think we have no further business, so we'll stand adjourned. Thank you. Good meeting. Hmm? Yeah, we got to get out of here. Meeting.